tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. Ali is looking after the programme today. I hope you had a, a lovely bank holiday. And if you want to share with us what you were up to over the last few days, we'd love to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's show, rumours of an influx of refugees in care caused upset and confusion. This has reacted to calls for a cap on refugees, and this follows on from... Uh, conversations we had on the programme last week. The Hearty Cup history was made as Cashel came out uh, victorious and uh, commiserations to uh, Thurlis. But of course, as a Cashel man, I have to say I was absolutely delighted with the result. Um, Eurovision Song Contest, Ireland's representative uh, announced, of course, at this point. But what about your thoughts on that? How to turn your brain off at night. I'd be very anxious to hear more about that. We have global politics with Thomas Conway. We have legal stuff with John Lynch. We have a sports review with our own Paul Carroll. And uh, changes to Netflix. And uh, we're wondering, have audible books replaced the written word? So all of that and much, much more on the way. Quick look at what's making uh, headlines in your newspapers today uh, to the Irish Indo. First of all, and like uh, lots of the newspapers today, it's dominated by a picture from that great tragedy in Turkey and uh, Syria. And in the case of the Irish Indo, um, a picture of emergency teams and civilians rescuing a survivor from a collapsed building in uh, a Turkish city of uh, Andana. And uh, the headline there is it was like the apocalypse. Uh, so many wait for rescue. Also on the Indo today, the world's biggest Irish dancing organisation has hired a private investigator to look into salacious allegations made against some of its current and former senior members. To the Irish Daily Mail, um, a spike in teacher career breaks. More teachers are on career breaks than ever before as schools continue to battle acute shortages. And again, um, a picture uh, from Turkey on the front of the mail today. Children pulled from rubble as 10,000 feared dead in that uh, dreadful earthquake. The Irish Examiner dominated by another uh, picture of civil defence workers uh, attempting rescue in uh, Turkey and uh, Syria. And also on the Examiner today, uh, laws uh, to set up agency against domestic violence, draft uh, legislation to set up a statutory domestic violence agency will be brought to Cabinet within a month. And that's according to the Justice Minister, Simon Harris. The Irish Times, deaths told in uh, Turkish and Syrian earthquakes rises to over 3,000 now since the... Uh, paper was put to bed, of course. That figure seems to be up towards 6,000 at the moment. And uh, a dreadful, dreadful tragedy in a part of the world, well, particularly where Syria is concerned already, of course. Um, it just it been in war uh, situation for the last uh, 12 years and then a proxy war situation as well. Um, also on the Times today, I was interested uh, to read uh, Department of Justice officials have called into question a golden visa scheme for millionaire investors as the government prepares to decide on the future of a programme dominated by Chinese participants. And the Emigrant Investor Programme opens residency in the state to non-Europeans with at least €2 million uh, euro in personal wealth. 
now they are in turn required to invest one million in an Irish business or make five hundred thousand philanthropic donation or a four thousand donation uh, in certain cases. Now that's basically um, visas and passports for sale, I suppose. Um, your opinion on any of those headlines? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. We're always glad to hear from you. Now, as Pat told you during our news bulletins this morning, despite assurances that refugees would not be housed in the former Bank of Ireland building in Care, a post which circulated on social media over the weekend brought the rumour back to life. It was a picture purporting to be of a bus delivering what is claimed um, was a Somali refugees to the building in Care and claimed they were now being housed there. Now, it was posted right across social media and was also posted as a comment under a news story on our own Facebook page, causing great upset, as you can imagine. An independent TD, Matty McGrath, joins me now. Matty, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. This was completely false, Matty, wasn't it? Yeah, you see, it was totally false because on Thursday, I got confirmation from Minister of State, Joe O'Brien, who was under study to running government dealing with this area, that they had no plans or, 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 or no uh, discussions about providing a direct prison centre, whether it be for Ukrainian refugees or for other uh, people coming here looking for um, protection. Uh, as I had outlined in my email to him, mm. I also raised this in the doll. I mean, it's a pity this gentleman, and people of Verity, who it was, who took this photograph early in the morning, you know, people going to work, keep a valuable business going in, in care, and um, a private coach company. And I added two and two and got 24. You know, it's a pity. And, and really, people are excited and are annoyed and are, you know, about the whole situation. We'll see what happens is more. And the problem I, I blame it is, apart from people, you know, misuse of social media and calling me a liar, I value my good name and my honesty above anything else in politics. I raised the floor of the door, but the real problem is there's a, no proper information, no dialogue, no um, proper plan in place. Maybe I've been calling in the, in the door for several months to have a debate on this. Imagine that we have over 70,000 Ukrainians and I don't know how many uh, others you know, in Ireland taking in this scheme, and we haven't had a, a two sentences other than what I said in the door and get uh, booed and called a, a racist and everything else. So I believe anyone want an open, fair, respectful and decent conversation around this area. And if I could talk to you about the big picture in just a moment, Matty, but first of all, the the emergence of those rumours where care is concerned, where the bank is concerned, um, do do you know where they emerged from or how did they come about or was it just speculation? Well, to my attention last Friday week, the evening of the wonderful senior citizen party with the Gaddishy Connor and the community and the school and everybody involved came in shed and I checked around at night to find out that there was, there is a family in the Bank of Ireland and what nationality for some time uh, upstairs. There, there was a family living there peaceful, thankfully, and no one had any issue with that. So then I suppose the building is big. Uh, also, then the massive building was used to be old care house, the elephant gone, and that vast area, mm-hmm. was massive warehouse. So there are people are worried for the seat areas like this and the same. They might be big and a kind of a bit of buildings, but they can be you know, transformed into accommodation. So I suppose people assume the word. But then you have a very tiny number of people who want to exploit this for whatever reason. Mm. And, and like the, quite clearly, um, you know, was stated and given by me and I had it in the writing for the minister. I wouldn't say it if I had it in the writing because the sentence will shift very fast 
and indeed they could shift as well. You didn't have the right, but I can only go in the words yes. of the minister. In, in fairness, Care has a very good reputation for uh, being a yes. welcoming tone to to people who come from other countries there, and, to, and it's yes. going back quite some time, Matty. I wanted to come on to that because I mean I think there's twenty up to twenty seven nationalities mm. in the national school. Not the mindset of Kilarsta. The fact is they are they have and they are parents. Many of them are in business. Many of them are employed. And they were welcome and had been welcomed. And we saw the outpouring grief early on in the Ukraine war when it started and the people rallied and everything else. And of course they have. And it says, Crossroads of Munster, a wonderful tourist town, growing, growing in tourism. And the businesses are struggling there to, to try and, you know, embrace that. And also to, 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 to house all our newcomers, which is another problem. But um, CARE has an unblemished record as regards uh, that, thankfully. And we want to keep it that way. We don't want any, 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 mm. you know, comments that get, could lead to, you know, savory uh, activities, whether it be process at, at buildings or houses or whatever. So they have an unblemished record. And the, 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 the Care Development Association, Tidy Towns, everybody else did great work there. And the many other uh, committees, you know, at the church and lay, and they did great work there. Mm. And, you know, we have a group of sisters there in the old priest's house from all over the world. The wonderful ministry and look it's a welcoming town walk up to the schools i said when i used to visit that school 25 years ago after the tidy schools awards you might see three or four nationalities but i had a meeting with the principal there throughout christmas council money mcgrain myself and i think it, i think i could be wrong but i think it's 24 or 5 it wasn't 27 different nationalities some that i find it hard even to pronounce that they're so distant yeah. and so far away but they're there and happy and learning and playing their part in the community. And, and just as a hypothetical, Matty, in terms of capacity in the town where education is concerned, where health is concerned, and housing and all of that, could the town cope with an influx? In, it's into a problem, it? because the school, while it's a wonderful building, the new, uh, the new amalgamated national school, but, I mean, and, and that's the frustration of the department and systems where they work, it's that capacity the day they open. Full capacity, and I know that Brendan and indeed all the um, water managers, everybody pleaded with the department. They had plenty of space to add a couple of extra rooms, you know, to have them there because of the population growth, you know. And the school, no, they wouldn't listen or anything. The school is full uh, as it as it opened. The Kilarsha was again, it seems, the Peter Creed and they're doing a great job. So, doctors and other services again are stretched beyond beyond all, and you know, our yeah, the numbers are depleted. So, mm-hmm. the state is letting us down. But look, the state isn't playing its part with us as against many issues, whether it be housing, health, um, education, or indeed Gaddishin um, Khan. And we have a wonderful team of community Gaddi who organised that wonderful event there last Friday night week. Yeah, it was with terrific. With TY, with Scouts, with everybody else came in and said, the work that's going on there with all those groups is tremendous. Why, why, do you think, why do you think debate is being compressed in some way on, on, on this? And people who do want to to have a debate are seen to be far right and seen to be racist in some way. I've been called everything from far right to racist to backward to biggest to God knows what in the chamber. And I've objected to this in in in, in the business committee because it's crept in up here yes. and it shouldn't be happening. Each person has a lot of time to speak. We read that business every Thursday morning and raise it for the last number of weeks. You know, you get work whistled and you get everything in. So if you're not uh, of certain, uh, you, know, you don't think the same way as the, as the mob, 
you know, I wanted. And this is a very dangerous situation. We had it really with COVID. You couldn't debate it. We had it with, 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 with now with, with, with this situation of the war and the refugees mm. and, and the, the people coming in from other countries. So look at the borders are as a sieve. I mean, I had tickets quoted into the which I got from the Department of Justice. And I want to mention that was to one particular nationality, 3,136 had come in the first 10 months of last year with absolutely no paperwork uh, to the door, uh, to, to, sorry, to, to Dublin Airport. And when you see it in your headline this morning, there's another headline about passports for sale. So it's disgusting. And it sticks in people's cross. And Great Hall Island is going on again. Mm. And I, I put that to Senator Garda Hearn last week, Matty, and he said to me that, and, and it's a fair enough point, that, you know, people coming from certain war-torn areas may not have uh, paperwork just by the nature of how their country works. And, you know, I mean, is that not a valid argument? Well, I know, fine, if you travel to try to go to the States to go anywhere, you can't get outside of the airports here in this country without no. better paperwork. I know we're not a war situation, thankfully. No, it doesn't hold water for me because, you know, we should have a proper immigration service. And then the problem is when it goes to, when the government were talking last week, but fast-tracking uh, these, you know, processing of these applications and, um, you know, whatever, if, if they're denied, send them back. But I don't believe that any other was in back. You know, they go into the ether and go missing and we haven't the resources to follow them and it's a shocking situation because we are uh, have our hearts opened and we help people who are suffering and coming from war. But there's many parts of the country that come from where there's absolutely no war. And the government's named are safe countries. So we're all focused now on the Ukrainian war. But and again, I made that point to Gerda Heron, and of course the, the, the argument, and it's always the argument is, well, the Irish headed off and uh, we needed to go to other countries because we were starving here and we weren't doing so well So and we okay. were accepted. So what, what do you say to that argument? We had enough food to feed ourselves, but was taken from us by, you know, we're colonised, yeah. but they can, that argument doesn't hold any water. He's the same um, senator that said in the Senate that he'd prefer to have 10,000 Ukrainian refugees any day to one Matthew McGrath. So we know what he thinks of, 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 of that's his right to make that criticism. But look, I mean, that man is not living in, in, in planet Earth for that concern because it's a serious situation. We ha- you can live a vacuum. The North of Ireland, you remember as well as I do. And I'm delighted there's going to be an inquiry into Roma Bomb. I worked with Mike Gallagher and I was there, but we saw there when there was the be specialist and there was a match for civil rights and the house given to people that shouldn't be given to others by but what happened? We're thirty year at war attrition with over three and a half thousand dead. We was you can't have a political vacuum. We can't the situation. Mm. The war is almost going into its uh, fourth anniversary year and we haven't had a debate in our national parliament. Yeah, I, I was taken. I was taken with your presentation to uh, what was her name, Roberta Mazzola, wasn't it? The president yes. of European Parliament, and you got to your feet and you mentioned several different things. But there was almost embarrassment in in the chamber about what you were bringing up about the troika and about housing, about vulture funds, and all of that kind of thing. They, 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 there was sniggering, uh, there was insults, and um, how how did you feel about that? It's a sad situation that's happening in the parliament. I'm elected for the time being, you know what I mean? So people are just awful. But look, that's the way it goes. Mm. Uh, they, many of your colleagues there is so maybe it wasn't the place to bring up those things because everybody else was talking about the positives of involvement with Europe and all of that. But listen, of course, which end European project 
Yeah, I was one of the people who campaigned for it. But I've learned the hard way. But what the trike did to Ireland is unforgivable. What they've done with our fishing is unforgivable. What the accusations of our government. What they've done with our farming. And now this whole European Palace Agreement is just not attainable. And our people have been forced into penury. And so if, if they don't hear this from our government, which they don't, our, our, our civil servants and our top civil servants, everything is rosy in Ireland, we'll carry on. What the banks and the vulture fund not only have done, but are doing to this day. I met a lady from Carcassonne for two hours. My God, the stories and the trauma. And I meet them every day of the week. So we brush out something happens. Like the station mask, we whitewash the house and everything is grand. Mm. And we don't discuss this. So that we have the night and laundries and we have all these things that are buried. And now they're out. But this is a magnitude, you know, way worse because we're the good buys in Europe. We do end they want us. Now we're over back to WEF conferences. We have, at least when they go to European Council meetings, there's pre-European Council statements and there's post-European Council statements. We get some idea, if it's honest, telling us what's being discussed. But the WEF, we're not in any way uh, involved or elected to deal with that. And our teacher, the young global leader, it's not my words, it's the words of Klaus Schwab and, and his introduction there. Um, Mr. Tarrant and Adam was on over and back to the co-several co- of them. So we, we are serving these uh, foreign and these entities, and we're not serving our people. I mean, we want to have strife in this country. We don't want coppers that one. Can I can yeah. I finally ask you about? And it's it's coming up all of the time, and it's very evident on our screens as well. Is the far right infiltration of, you know, ordinary people maybe wanting to protest and wanting to to make their point? Do you, are you concerned about that? Of course I am, but I'm concerned about the labelling. You've seen it in the doll. You saw it yourself. You're going to hear anything right. I stand up. I'm in far right now, uh, and I'm a, I'm a racist. I'm nothing of the course. I have had uh, different engagements with many different countries. I've gone to uh, Lebanon. Right. Gone but, but you know the point that I'm making. It's the people with the, the microphones and they're hollering about, you know, get them out and, you know, this and that, it's, threatening yes, violence. And, yes, yeah. and we had this a small extent in care with this, with this, um, with this putting up this bus. The president took this yeah. bus, got a lot dancing But then um, Lambeth coaches were in business for God decades brought me to school yeah. and you know the factory was even those workers when they get up at that hour the money goes to work mm. and people turn that around and say, like it's just it is yeah. a so do you, do you condemn that sort of thing that's 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 happening that's infiltrating the protests as I said of course I do yes but, but in some cases then many of the protest, protest groups will tell you that uh, that they're paid people arrive along that mm. these are that, that the people arrive along to cause trouble but they're not part of them at all they're, yes. that they're, they're, they're kind of organised to come and make it look bad right. so, and do, does that worry you? it does worry me yeah. of course but, all, but what really worries me is that we can't have a debate in our parliament and it was never like that in the parliament I, I could stand up and wait different hours over different uh, liberal agendas and whatever mm. arguments but you can't stand up when the president was right to stop in my short address and asked for the protection of the chair because I was being, you know, insulted, as you, as you said. And, and I don't know, what does she think of it? I mean, but I hope that she will go away and understand that everything is not rosy in Ireland. I mean, like if you take the, the, the debt, uh, the, the time of the bailout, mm. so-called bailout, I call it a clean-out, your EU charges almost 5.9% for the funds they gave us, but we got them from the IMF 
for 2.9%. Mm. So we're, we're, we're still like those only enemy. Can I put one final point to you, which is again what uh, Senator Garda Heron said to me, Matty. He said that basically, no, he would not uh, agree with any form of capping of uh, numbers and it was our obligation to take in as many people as presented themselves on our shores. What, what do you say to that? Utter baloney. So we can't manage them. I mean, I said this all the time that we have 30,000 30, maximum Ukrainian uh, refugees because I would have asked them with some modest of respect, not have them in tents, not have them bust around from place to place. I mean, this is just untenable. Gary's just talking about what his leader has said and what Mihal Madden has said. We could take up 100,000, maybe even 200,000. These people are not living in reality. They have are well looked after and comfortable positions. They're not living, try, waiting on the housing list for eight, for 12, 14 years. They're not waiting on medical appointments. You know, it's a scandal after scandal every week and delays and whatever happens. And it's easy to say all these things. The Irish taxpayer are getting tired and weary of the amount of money, of lack of transparency and the amount of money wasted in, in, in the HSE. The Children's Hospital is a perfect example. When I called the vote to change that site, I would, people didn't back me, Sinn Féin didn't back me either. And um, we're, we're going to get much of the same from Sinn Féin as we're getting this pre- present government. You can see this, they, 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 don't, they don't want to debate either on this issue and at all. Mum's the word, hush, hush. I don't know what's going on, what kind of a secret a spell has come over them all. We can't even debate this issue. And we have to debate it. And, and um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a dictator from Europe. So we're Irish citizens. And we have a parliament that my duty is to represent the people elect, elect me and the, the wider uh, people. Right. Matty, I must, leave, I, I must leave it there. But thank you for your time this morning, Matty. Thank you and bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Independent uh, TD for Tipperary, Matty McGrath. Um, about uh, those rumours that once again emerged about uh, buildings in care there being used to, to house refugees. 1800 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie At the top of the programme, I was saying how delighted I was uh, that uh, Cashel um, won the Hearty Cup and a historic victory indeed and all of that. Listen around to say... I'd like to keep my name anonymous, Fran, but uh, I'm a Cashel supporter and I'd like to uh, say congratulations to Cashel on winning the Dr. Harty Cup. But uh, they let themselves down and the chanting towards the ref when there was a free awarded against one of the Cashel players, uh, kids who were there supporting started chanting and it's a word that rhymes with banker, okay? So they started chanting banker, banker, banker towards the referee and they let themselves down on that. So I'm just wondering, uh, how do you feel uh, about that? And uh, did you experience that? And if so, do you want to talk to us about that? Now, on Friday's show, we spoke to Fine Gael Senator Garrett Heron and the asylum seeker and activist uh, Lucky Kambula uh, regarding the number of asylum seekers entering Ireland with false or no travel documents. And we just spoke to Deputy Matty McGrath about this as well. Now, it sparked a lot of debate, as you can imagine. And John joins me now. John, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you, John. Um, what about your thoughts on this? Uh, people coming in without any documentation, John? 
Yeah, first before I get to that, can I say the word that like Matthew, the great Matthew McGrath met, met Matthew before. He's a fantastic individual and a great parliamentarian. And he keeps getting elected by the people down there, so he must be on something right. And the disrespect has shown in the Dáil when he's on his feet. And also to the Healy Rails, like, I mean, by the, the, the Dublin Brigade, I call them the Mafia. I mean, and the sniggering, the sneering that goes on. I find it so distasteful in our Irish Parliament that these people can't conduct themselves properly. And show respect to Matty and the Healy Rays and other people, fan. It's absolutely... I don't know where these people are real, like, I mean, but common manners, please, in the Parliament. And, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, would agree with you, but you look across the Parliament in Westminster, John, and it's even worse. I mean, it's really aggressive and, you know... Yeah, but I think that it's more like party politics across the floor there. I think it can get very personal. Oh, in, that's in interesting. Idea. So you think it's a different kind of I think it is. I think there's, there's the kind of, uh, here's the gone beans again. You know what I mean? This kind of a way. Like. Yeah. But and and is, that, is that what's behind it? Do you think are people like the Healy Rays and Matty, are, are they lampooned in some way? Are they well, I, would, I, I 100%. I, yeah. I, I think 100%. I mean, I, I've seen it. I, I follow politics a hell of a lot over yeah. the years. And I see it when I watch the footage there and the sniggering that goes on and the, the elbow thumping and, you know, the pointing and the sniggering. I mean, and I just don't like it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a horrendous way to be going on. I but mean, the, the gentlemen that we've mentioned, they're very bright fellas, do they not play to this a little bit? Do they not sort of... Well, no, I wouldn't think so. I think, I, I think, think only for the likes of Matty McGuire and the Healy Rays and other people, like, I mean, like, uh, Mike McNamara, I think, you know, that there'd be no questions asked on anything, because I'm sorry, the major opposition, which is Sinn Féin, I think are lacking at the moment. I think they're, all, they're not even on the pitch. Now, as the girls getting to the topic of the day... Um, I'm seriously worried by a lot of people, like a lot of people out there, Fran, of the amount of people that are coming in here. And I don't consider myself by any means a racist. I have three coloured families living in my road, right? And every time the, the new family came in, I personally welcomed them myself. I bought their kids' presents for Christmas, and we have a great relationship. I don't believe for one minute that there was being portrayed out there, Fran, that the Irish people are racist. I get so annoyed and upset by that. Mm. What they are is concerned. And we're concerned because we're living through terrible times. Look at the state of our health service. Look at the state of the rents. Look at the state of the housing. Look at the state of the mental health. Look at the state of law and order. I could go on, yeah. and I could go on, and I could go on. Now, this, this uh, O'Brien, um, to O'Brien, that's the in charge of the Minister of Integration, right? He believes we should get ready for another 80,000 next year. That will bring it to over 160,000, Fran, mm. in two years. This country cannot sustain that. We just cannot sustain that. It's impossible. And then they wonder why people are, are appearing also, even though I, I am upset. When I see uh, there's families, there are a lot of these uh, protests and stuff like that. But I can see where people are going. People are not being consulted. Yes. People are being taken from and, and tell me this, John, is that playing into the hands of the far right then who are making hay with this? Well, the... well you see, the, this thing, the far right, and I had actually, uh, <laughs> I won't even mention his name, though, not he, I mean, over the weekend there, I mean, and he used the term, he didn't just use the term friend, far right, he tagged another little uh, caveat onto it, and the extreme far right. Okay. No, yeah. I want to know who, who are the extreme far right. Like you have a couple of individuals, all right, and they travel alone and they go from place to place. Mm. 
you could say, are they more than the disciples of God? Are they spreading the message? Does that message need to get out there? Are they far right? But the majority of people... But, but the message that, cannot get out there by demanding that people, uh, you know, out, outside of a place that's housing women and children, John, yeah, and, and, it, and, yeah. and making the point that they need to get out and they should be yeah, burdened no, out see, and the, the, all the, the, rest. The, the, the Well, that's totally wrong. But the, the, the whole idea of protest, peaceful protest, they can mean in your area... People are not being consulted, friends. Yeah. That's the word that being taken for granted. And can and I just make the alternative argument to you there, John? It, it, the, it, what would happen then, I think, is not in my backyard. So, I mean, people are not being consulted because everybody would say no. Well, you see, the thing, well, 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 you have to take that chance because we, last time we look, we live in a democracy. You can see what happened down in Lismore. They were told, they were given an undertaking, friend, that no one would win there. And all of a sudden, the whole place has been prepared for another influx again, against the wishes of the community. This, that's a heritage tone. I think I agree with Michael McDool as a girl. People turning up. My friend went to Australia last year, and he marked down the, 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 this, this form they give you there at any end of the clear, mm. and he put down that he had alcohol when he hadn't. He just got confused because he was tired from the long flight. And when they looked at it, he was brought into a room. The sniffer dog was brought in. Now, it all ended up uh, very merrily, and they all went on their way and shook hands and all because they knew they, there was nothing in it. But the point they're making, there's people coming in here, as Michael McDool said, I mean, and I, I, I wish to God he was the, the Minister of, uh, for Justice at the moment because he's the one, if you remember, when people were coming in here heavily pregnant at the time and they were having kids here and then they became an automatic citizen and their parents and all their relations could come in. He stopped that. He also said, no, that if you're on doc- you have no document whatsoever, mm. that you're sent out and didn't explain. And I fully support that. Because we're being taken for granted. The world has gone. The world is a very smart place, no friend. And with the internet, and when Radical Garment said, right, that he was ending the right provision, right, and that he was giving everyone that one accommodation, that went right out around the world. That's why they're coming from Albania and Georgia, where there's no... So are you saying we're seen as being a soft touch, is that soft it? Soft touch, and the Irish people are being let down completely by the so-called government that we have at the moment. It's a disgrace to where the Irish people have been taken for granted. Right. And can I, w- one final thing to you, John, this notion that we're obliged to continue to take people in. Um, well, I mean, if, if, how, how, like... It's from a European this, Union point of view now. Uh, well, we that's, have the an prob- that's, that's the problem, you see, where I think a lot of people are worrying about now. Is this, uh, uh, you have some people use the term, friend, uh, population uh, replacement, right? And I think it suits the EU at the moment. I mean, to keep moving people just continuously. And you, what you, what I'm afraid of, we'll end up uh, that we'll have one government, and that government will be in Europe. We'll have no national governments, right? I mean, the whole idea is to dilute the cultures, dilute the religion, dilute the values, dilute everything there. So we have we have one currency, we'll have one people then, and we'll be all Euro- Europeans then, and our sovereignty and our nationality will be gone, that people fought hard for right. and bled on the field of Ireland. But some people would argue that the sovereignty is pretty much gone anyway, John, you know, that... Well, I mean, if, if this crowd that we have, so-called government that we have, kind of like, it was only not so long ago that Michal Martin stood up in the door and said he doesn't believe in backward sovereignty. Like, what does he mean by that? Like, I mean, there was people, I mean, died to give us the freedom we had today. Mm. All right. Um, John, pleasure. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, you know. Let's move on to, to Liam, who's with us. Uh, Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Liam. Good to talk to you today. You've been following this debate as well, Liam. What, what are your thoughts? Um, there, there's so many different things going on, uh, Fran. Mm. 
Um, I know you heard the interview with Gareth uh, last I, week. I, I did, yeah. And, uh, I mean, the politicians will take the party line all the time. Uh, sometimes I wonder, are they really speaking from the heart or the head? Or is it just uh, that they're being kind of programmed to, um, to, to t- say what the party wants them to say? And uh, that's frustrating. Um, I think... I think there's a huge disconnect between the people and the politicians at the moment. And that's as a result of the politicians, the way they have been performing. And there has been no communication, no information, um, lack of planning. Uh, I mean, to, even to back up that, you see now the Minister, uh, Roderick O'Gorman, who in fairness is probably trying to do his best, but mm. it's, 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 it's a tough job, appealing to his fellow ministers for help. I mean, that shouldn't even have gone on out on the, the nationwide. That should have been done at committee level, board level, or wherever. Right, but it uh, seems it appears that the problem is too big for his uh, department, Liam. You know that uh, they, they, well, there's just yeah. no space. Well, Fran, okay, if it is, do something about it. Yeah, bring in help, bring in a, an assistant or a or a separate department. The, the politicians they talk a lot, and. It's really getting frustrating. Well, I feel it anyway, and I listen to a lot of the media shows, both on television and Watchmen on uh, radio as well, or television radio, mm. and um, it's it's the same old spin all the time. And uh, it's it's. I think the people are are losing confidence in, in the system, and that then you have mm. the homelessness and the health situation. And, 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 and do you think the government are overwhelmed in some way by? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think they've lost it. I do. I really do. Then you had all, you know, the the, the, the private situation, well, the personal things in the doll. Uh, I'm not going to go in there because I'm non-political. I want to make that very clear. I am non-political. But the, the thing is that we waste nearly a week in, in the doll trying to get Pascal Dunham to say, tell us what happened. Now we're waiting on uh, the disability, the homes, mm. the, the nursing homes and that. Uh, and all this is a huge distraction. And um, it, it, people are losing confidence in all this. And um, and still, I was looking at the polls over the weekend, the most recent poll, and, you know, there's a rise in support for the existing government. And, you know, but, Sinn Féin dropping a few points again. Yeah. What, 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 what do you make of that? Well, that's a moment in time, and that's, you know, how many, a 1,000 people or 2,000 or whatever. 1,200, yeah. 1,200, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the polls for and against, uh, it, it, it's a pointer, but uh, at the end of the day, the biggest poll is the day of the election, and, and that that will give, give the accurate poll. But um, I, I I feel there's a huge lack of respect for for the refugees. Uh, that's beginning to get bigger and bigger, which I think is wrong. Mm. Uh, I, I think we should show respect to everybody, no matter where they're coming from or what's happening, or what's their point of view either. We should show respect. I think maybe the media are giving a little bit too much time to the far right, whom I don't know who, who they are, mm. but I think uh, I think they're getting too much oxygen. And is that playing into their ideology, do you think? Is that oh, I think so. Driving it oh, on, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, that, that's, that's... Well, you see, what, what I really believe is giving them oxygen is the fact that there isn't general debate and... You know, the debate then, uh, the argument thrown at people who might come up with an alternative point of view is that they're racist. I mean, you can't debate under those conditions. No, 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 you cannot. But you see, you can't debate with these type of people anyway, I would imagine. Yeah. I would I would imagine, you know. But look, take it in my hometown. There has never been a meeting about the asylum seekers, about the Ukrainians, 
nobody, no leaders were brought together. We have a lot of good leaders within the town and clubs and organisations. They were never brought together by the political system. Uh, by the council or whatever. Mm. Um, but Liam, is that not because, you know, the old notion of not in my backyard, that if you do go... I mean, we need to house the people that are here. I mean, I'm sure there's no argument about it. The people who are here at the moment have to be looked after in some way. But any group of people you go to in any town will say, well, that's fine, but not in our town because we can't do this and we don't have well, it. Well, Fran, in my town we have a lot of asylum seekers and we have a lot of Ukrainians. Not that many Ukrainians, mostly asylum seekers. Can I ask you what, have, what your town is? Rosgrave. Rosgrave. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and um, I meet them every day on the, on the road when I'm out walking. Right. And I say hello to them and that's it. And um, I am a bit nervous, I'll be very honest, at times I can be, but uh, I accept them, I respect them as human beings. Right. Why, why would you be nervous, Liam? <sighs> I would be a bit nervous. I, I'm an old-age pensioner and... and, and uh, if I said something wrong, or or maybe they, they, they could take their aggression out on me or something, I don't know. Yeah. I would feel very nervous for ladies uh, and, and young children as well. Right, but um, you, you don't have any reason for that nervousness, no, do you? No, other I do than, not. Other no. than what, the unknown? Is that it? The right? unknown, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a daughter in Dublin, I go there, I'm nervous when I go on to the, the Lewis, I'm nervous when I'm on a bus. And by and large, I'm not a nervous person. I usually am a fairly confident person. Yes. But I am nervous. I would not walk down O'Connell Street today on my own. I would no. not do that now today. Yeah. And a lot of people wouldn't. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's sad. That's very sad. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. But now, in fairness, um, that sort of fear isn't anything to do with, with you know, refugees or asylum seekers. No, I accept that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I listened to, um, I think it was on the live line last Friday, a hotelier in Letterkenny offered a hotel. Obviously, there's financial situations around mm, it. Yeah. They have not come back to him. That was last October. 130 yeah. people he, he could house. I think Anne Rappas is quoted, I think she's a Fianna Fáil uh, in mm. Port Humber or something, um, a Minister of State, uh, has said there's a hotel in Loch and nothing has been done about it. There are clubs, convents, monasteries, community halls, parochial halls, all empty. Yeah, you see, a lot of that organisation was over to the Red Cross, and in, in yeah. fairness, they seem to have been overwhelmed by it all, you know. And uh, Actually, I, what I'm reading is they've, they've disconnected a bit from the government. I mean, when this came out a few months ago, when it, the Red Cross were on the airways every second day, I don't hear many representatives now. I, I think they have been... Uh, sidelined by the government a bit. That's my honest opinion. I could be wrong, but that's what I feel. Stay with me for a moment, uh, Liam, because uh, okay. I'm delighted to be joined by an old friend of mine, Paul Lafford, is with me as well. Paul, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How uh, are you? Good to talk to you, and thanks for joining the conversation. You were listening to Senator Ahern uh, last week. Um, your blood pressure was, was just <laughs> a little elevated, as they say, Paul, was it? <laughs> it was. It yeah. was, friend. Um, look, I, I don't know uh, Gareth O'Hearn I've never met the man I haven't a clue anything about him but what, what annoys me the most are people like Gareth O'Hearn coming out there they have the mantra the, the party political line that they follow regardless now look I am I was branded as right wing at the weekend by a person that's never met me thankfully a woman I know with 40 years was very, very quick to put his back in his box. But I have absolutely nothing against people seeking refuge in Ireland. I live in Care, as you know. It's, we have probably one of the most culturally diverse towns in the country. Mm. 
we have people from all over the world living in care. I was out cutting my grass on Saturday and three young lads walked in past our house. They're from Brazil. They're living up behind us. Mm. Some of the nicest lads you could hope to meet. No issues. And no, issues. no issues whatsoever. Yeah. We are parents, as you know, of a Russian child. Um, we, I have friends from all over Eastern Europe that I cycle my bike with, that I work with from time to time. So anybody to come along and say I'm a right winger it just hasn't been no, I, I, I know you long enough to know that you're nowhere near uh, a right winger, Paul. But but tell me, okay, so taking all that that uh, bag, baggage into account, um, why did you have an issue with what uh, Mr. Hearn was saying? Because he came out the other morning. As I said, they're they're just the the entire immigration policy of this government has failed. I was just listening to you talking to a gentleman there a second ago, Liam, and you said yeah. Liam. Are they, have they been overwhelmed by it? And they have. And rather than stand up and say, OK, we have made an absolute bags of this, you said something else, everything. Rather than just stand up and admit that they've made a huge mistake, they just keep adding to the problem. Now, you just look at this country, right? You have a million people, people waiting to see a specialist, a medical specialist. Now, that's not get treatment. That's just to meet somebody. You can't get into a doctor, even if you have 60 quid to pay. You can't get in and see a GP this morning. No. We have the the entire, like, there was a thing came out last Friday that Ireland is one of the most indebted nations on the planet. This entire country is just, has been, all these, the, the government has been totally overwhelmed by all of this. They, are, they don't know what they're doing. And a they lot of other countries open. have been overwhelmed by it as well, but it is a most unusual situation, uh, Paul. And in fairness to Garrett Hearn, he's been on the ground out there. He's seen what the situation is like for Ukrainian people. Has he been on the ground in Gaza, so, Brian? Has he been in Damascus? Has he been in Syria? Not I mean, let's not just stop. Not exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this is the thing now that really, you right. know, the blood pressure is rising. And do you remember back because to 2015 where we said where Syrians were concerned, we could only accept 4,000. But, like, it's, this is just, there's just this selectiveness yeah. with all of this. Now, don't get me wrong. What happened in Ukraine is terrible. Mm. I, my own, I personally now have my own opinions on it, mm. okay? So I have, I don't follow the initial, uh, official narrative, I'll mm. be honest with you. And I think as a nation, as a so-called neutral nation, we should be moving heaven and earth to try and get these people to negotiate a peace treaty. Uh, the old neutrality then, is, has been diluted completely. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. We won't go to a totally yeah. different yeah. road. Yeah. Yeah. But look absolutely. what happened before Sabina Higgins last year when she said yes for that. Yeah, I know. But anyway, know. that's not here nor there. Um, it, so, so how do you I, think it's I, going I to end me, up, uh, Paul? It's not going to end well, Fran, because the trouble is now, you look at, like, I, I just saw on your, on your um, Facebook feed there this morning, mm. like, I mean, about a photograph that was put up from care over the weekend. Yeah, in a, in a malicious fashion to, to cause cause hassle. Totally. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I mean, there's people being collected by a bus to go to work in care every single morning before any of us get up. And But you have people, absolutely, common sense has gone. But the trouble is, if you have genuine, legitimate concerns yes. now, and you just have to put your head above the parapet, immediately you're a right-winger. 
like I was watching Katie Hannon's program last night on RTE and they were talking about this and straight away they had to bring the right wing element into it. Yes, I know. And and you, it's not just on that program; it's on every program. But that, that's why people papers. are afraid to engage in Correct. baseball, you know. Correct. And anybody that does open their mouth, like half of me at the weekend, oh, he must be a right winger. All right, he's not. Paul, I must leave it there. And Liam, I must leave it there. Thank you to you both, and uh, good to talk to you both uh, this morning. Thank you for that. We'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Sinn Féin Councillor David Dunn of Caricature was on to say that uh, Mr McGrath, that would be uh, Deputy Matthew McGrath, is wrong about Sinn Féin and he can't go uh, without being challenged for what he said. I suppose, in fairness, he did speak the truth, Davey, when he said that um, Sinn Féin, um, they're not providing an alternative view where refugees are concerned and they go along with the uh, notion that we... Uh, must accept refugees into the country. I think that's the point that was being made, if I'm uh, not incorrect. Now, Wild Youth will represent Ireland at this year's Eurovision. After all, the potential candidates set out their soul on Friday night's Late Late Show, just to give you a taste of the song. a little of uh, Wild Youth's uh, song. Tyrone joins me now. Tyrone, good morning to you. How are you, Fran? How are you? I, I'm very well indeed. You are our, um, our Eurovision expert, Tyrone. What what did you make of the contest, first of all, before I talk to you about the winner? Uh, well, I was watching watching it the other night, and jeez, um, I couldn't wait for it to be over, to be honest with you. Jeez, it was brutal. That, yeah. that whole, that whole um, show, the Late Late Show, just the the way they pick the song and the way they uh, go through it, and Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. It, what what it, did it, you think of the? I thought the adjudication panel was a rather strange panel. I mean, I'm very fond of Celine Byrne as an opera singer, but I'm not sure about her credentials to choose a pop song. And as for Jedward, well, I leave that to people's own opinion. But uh, what did you make of the adjudication? Exactly, Jedward. I mean, come on. Yeah. Would you trust? Would you trust them to run a bath? I mean, come on. <laughs> You're not a you're not a Jedward fan, I'm guessing, no. Well, no, no, no. And and they had a girl there. Um, I I'm not sure what her name was. She had the the dark hair. Um, but she I've seen her there before on the late late show. She's actually a a bit of a she's a proper songwriter, like right. isn't she? So I, I don't know what what she was Ru- doing there. Ruth Ann is her that's, her name. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's her. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, I've seen her on there a lot before, singing her own songs. Yeah. and uh, I've seen her on Facebook doing her own stuff and all. Right, God, so, I don't know. Why, I don't know why she got associated with that, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, the song that won then um, to represent us in in Liverpool. How do you feel about that? The best of a bad bunch, I suppose. Yeah, best bad bunch. It was like like it's not it, for me. It's not catchy or nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't. See, I, I don't think it would get much radio play. There won't be many requests for that. I'd say on, on the station or anything like that. Yeah, well, I, I I hope it works out for them. It sounds pretty ordinary to me. It sounds kind of 
boy band-ish, but, you know, yeah. it's representing us, so I suppose we have to put our put our shoulders to the wheel where that's concerned. What did you make of, I suppose, the most controversial song, uh, Johnny Rotten's song or Johnny Lydon's song, Public Image? What, what, did you, what did you make of that? That was all right. The full song, it was the first time I really heard the full song, but it was kind of, just, it was it was all right, like, but I mean, again, it's, it's Johnny Rotten, isn't it? So I suppose, like, it, it's going to be kind of a downbeat song and, Mm. Things like that. It, it was all right for. I mean, he wrote it for his wife, didn't he? Didn't he? So, he did, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of liked it. I, I must say, but and I really felt for some of the singers in the early stages of it, though, because the tuning was just all off. Oh. Now, that's typical RTE uh, studio typical, sound, yeah. which is just yeah, yeah. appalling to say the least. Um, you know, so I feel. Will you stay with me for just a moment, Tyrone? Because Paulina is with us as well. Paulina, good morning to you. Good morning, son. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How did you feel about uh, the uh, your revision the other night? Yeah, I I just think the whole thing is, is a little bit out of place. There should be a show that is a little bit more entertaining to people. And I I have experience actually watching the, the kind of the the national finals from other countries yes. as well. No, I I saw the Polish one, the German one, the Spanish one, and I don't know. They just feel a little bit different. And do you think that it's not such a good idea to incorporate it into the Late Late Show? Should it be a standalone show, do you think? That's what I think. A standalone show where people actually get a vote. So um, so the people kind of decide, you know, the people from the country decide. And it should be a show. It should be a big deal. Not part of the Late Late Show at all. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, Tyrone, are you... Are you aware of how the songs uh, that end up in the final are chosen? Have you any idea about that? I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue. I, I don't know how them... Was it four songs, five songs that got on the final let, let show there the other night? Yeah. Five. Uh, I mean, I, how do they choose them? Do they go... Do they um have auditions, I mean, throughout the year? And, you know, do they do they eventually choose that five? Or, I don't know, I, I, are, they the only, are they the only five people that wanted to... Well, no, I'm sorry. I mean, we have some fantastic uh, songwriters in this country, oh, and I'm sure they'd I all know. like to have that kind of platform. Paulina, have you any idea how the songs are chosen in the first place? So, I know in Poland, for example, any singer... Uh, that has an original song can actually submit an entry. So maybe as a European thing, um, I suppose that might be the case in Ireland as well. Mm. As long as the song is original, you can submit the entry. However, there's so little promotion in Ireland of how to do it, when to do it. So I don't think a lot of people are even aware. And I think, like you said, they would absolutely love to do so. I mean, we have people here like Mick Hanley and uh, Jimmy McCarthy and uh, all these wonderful songwriters who, you know, you'd imagine could produce great stuff altogether and far better quality than what we heard on the Late Late Show. But, you're, so, yeah. you know, the uh, music, of course, is subjective, Paulina, isn't it? You know, what what I might yeah. rate great, you might hate. Yeah, but Ireland, I think Ireland is still number one with the most wins with the Eurovision. I think Sweden is at number two. So, like, you know, we have a reputation to uphold and we haven't been producing good entries in the the last while. All right. Paulina, does this song have a chance in Eurovision, do you think? Uh, uh, It's not as catchy for me. It's not bad, you know, great lads, uh, young lads, and they have a lot of potential. For me, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't have an opinion. All right. Ty- Tyrone, what about you? Is it good enough of a song oh, to win? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't think so because um, I think Ukraine are going to win it again. 
So I mean, it's point, it's pointless really even holding it. I think because I, I, think I so? you know, yeah. I think Ukraine are going to win it again. And the longer, sadly, the longer the war goes on, I think Ukraine will probably beat. Ireland's record if it goes on another five or six years God forbid it does but you know right, I must leave it there guys but thanks very much indeed Paulina there and Tyrone as well news is coming Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, Puck On. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Now, a listener was on to us in the first hour of the programme and the listener wanted to remain anonymous but was making the point that uh, while they were delighted with uh, Cashel winning uh, the Harty Cup, they did have a problem with, uh, at one point, the referee being called names that uh, rhyme with banker. And uh, another caller was on to us to say the chanting was from both sides on Sunday, uh, Fran. Um, it was awful, but uh, this listener did see teachers from Thurlis going over to students to tell them to stop, and rightly so. And the caller says the chanting was quite vicious, uh, but it was coming from both sides. Another caller on to us um, to say that what people are not talking about with the influx of uh, people coming in to the country is the rise of prostitution. And this lesson goes on to say that all small villages who would have always been uh, clean and innocent are now riddled with prostitution and nobody's talking about it. Riddled with prostitution. Our small vis- villages who were always clean and innocent. Says one of how do you, how do you feel about that? Anyway, oh eight three three double one double three double one. The Men's Development Network was founded in 1997 when men working in the social care field, uh, probation, youth work, addictions, uh, academia, and health came together to discuss what was rapidly becoming a crisis. And uh, together, it was decided that this group of men would work to identify key issues in their lives, highlighting the issues that needed addressing and to offer some uh, solutions. Derek Smith, the supervisor of the Men's Development Network, joins me now. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Good to talk to you today, Derek. Um, Since 1997, I would imagine that the issues have changed and maybe become even uh, more prominent. Well, the issues are are still still there, like... The important thing is to is to highlight them and to, to to keep raising the awareness around the issues of domestic abuse, mm-hmm. and that men men do experience domestic abuse. But I presume it's much more than domestic abuse against men, is it? Well, there's various different types of abuse. Like, I mean, there's coercive control, which is probably the main type of abuse that men would experience, and that involves. Um, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse. Mm. And tell, has that has that become uh, more of an issue over the years? Do you think? Well, I'm not sure. Like, if, if, I'm not sure if, if it has become more of an issue. But it, the more 
certainly the awareness around us has has certainly heightened. Mm. Because, like, I mean, mainly the system was geared towards women, and rightly so, because much more women have experienced domestic abuse in the past. But the reality is that men experience it also. And the more, the more, the more, um, the more awareness around us, the, the better, because we don't want anybody feeling that there, there's no support there. There is support there. And with the way woke politics is at the moment, I mean, are you often abused for bringing these issues to the fore? No, no, that doesn't happen. I mean, like, you know, the issues are there and the more we talk about them, the better, because we don't want anybody feeling isolated and we want people to know that there is support there if you're experiencing domestic abuse. Mm. And that's what we offer. The line is open seven days a week. We're fully, there's a team of six fully qualified counsellors and the support is there. That's the, that's the bottom line. Right. And this is the male advice line. That's right. Yeah. Right. right. And is that part of the Men's Development Network then? It is, yeah. It, that's part of it's part of the, the men's development network. It was started in twenty twenty nineteen. Yes. And since twenty nineteen, we have supported hundreds of callers, hundreds. And, and are, are are men more more inclined to speak up at this point? Do you think? Well, it's it, it's getting better. As I say, yeah. the more awareness, the more awareness we create around it, the better. You know, because as I say, there is help and support. It's there. And we don't want anybody feeling that they're going it alone or they're isolated. Yes. And that's, and that's why I was on this morning, because we were, we were talking about this on the radio a short while ago. And a guy called Neil Gunning from uh, New Gamma Fitness in Kilkenny, he contacted the line to offer a few sessions in his gym for men who are experiencing this. Um, for men who are in this life situation. And you think something like that would be good for them, do you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, physical exercise is good, you know, for everything. And especially because we have quite a lot of men who have never talked about their experience before contacting the line, and they're in a state of overwhelm. So, like a little bit of physical exercise can be very, very good in releasing some of the some of the energy that you know that's behind these emotions that they've been um, that's been locked up for years. Like because it's the experience that men tell us what it's like is it's like walking on eggshells. Yeah, will, will you give me an idea about some of the calls you get, and maybe the common denominator between them? Well, I suppose. Um, What's coming up for me now, the common denominator would be that a sense of isolation and a sense that maybe, you know, I'm the only one experiencing this and I should know how to handle it. But what are they experiencing largely, do you think, Derek? Well, uh, I would say like with men, it's it's mainly coercive control. Right. It's Explain been, that to me. That that is where you know it's it, it's not violent, but what it's it's verbal. It's verbal abuse. intimidation. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's threat. 
like, you know, if you don't do something, I'm going to call the police or what kind of a man are you? You should be doing this, you should be doing that. It's being constantly undermined and put down. And a pattern evolves then over the years and it's constant. And what is your advice? I mean, if I call you and I tell you that this is my experience, what, what advice do you give? Well, first of all, Fran, like, you know, just to be able to talk about it. Yeah, of course. And know that somebody is, is, is listening, and I mean truly listening. Yeah. And offering them that space, that can be a game changer in and of itself. Sure, we have plenty of practical advice, like, for example, exercise, or we have somebody that will give us legal information. We also have a counselling service, and online and face-to-face so we can um, offer counselling um, across the country. But our the heart of the male advice line is listening and believing the caller and being empathic with them. And as I say, that in, yeah. that in itself can be a game-changer. I mean, you speak about the, the legal aspect of a situation like you describe, and, you know, we've spoken about it on the programme in the past, Derek, that often when it all becomes legal and there's children involved, men don't always come out well out of that. That's true. That is true. And I want to make it clear that we don't offer legal advice, Fran. Yeah, of course. But we of course. certainly, you know, we can offer some legal information. Yes, yeah. You know, that that will help. Well, that is true to say, isn't it? I think most people would agree with that, that, you know, men don't come out well uh, of of a legal battle in, in, in situations like this. Well, not in every case. Yeah. You know, and as I say, I, I'm not going to go down that road with you now, but um, the more, the more... Um, the more it's highlighted and the more awareness around it that, that there is help and support there... Mm. Let's just say that's that's the bottom line, and nobody is isolated. Hmm. Um, is finance a big issue? Do you think, Derek? Uh, how do you mean? In what context? Well, in in terms of being a breadwinner or not being a breadwinner, as the the case may be, you know, is is that does that spark a lot of the conflict in the situations that you hear about? It does. Yeah, it certainly does because men feel that, you know, that they that they are the breadwinner, and there can be a huge amount at stake here. Like we're talking about homes, families, mm. jobs, a car, holidays. You know, there's a huge amount at stake, and we know how difficult it can be even to consider, you know, talking about it or consider calling a helpline. Mm. I mean, we you know we fully understand how difficult that step is to take but it is there the support is there and it's totally confidential If there's people listening this morning that feel they could benefit from, from chatting to you, how, how can they do that? What, what's the best number to call, Derek? It's, 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 it's a free phone number, it's 1-800-816-588 816-588 Yeah, it's a free phone number and it's confidential Okay and uh, what what is the time situation where that is concerned? Is that open all of the time? It's not open 24-7. It's open every day. And Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, it's open from 2 to 6. Okay. 
Mondays and Wednesdays, it's from 10 in the morning until 6 in the evening. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 8 p.m. All right. And again, it's 1800 Is that correct? But that's correct, Frank. Okay. Yeah. And again, we'll have that number here if anybody uh, requires it. And you, I presume you don't have to give a name or details. You can just chat if that's what you want to do. Exactly. You don't have to give us any details. You can just chat about your situation. And, you know, that space is there for you. All right. There's no there's no um, pressure whatsoever, Fran. All right, Derek. Good to talk to you today and thank you for your time. Thank you. Good morning to uh, you. That's uh, Derek Smith uh, speaking to us today. Derek is a supervisor on the male advice line that is part of the Men's Development uh, Network. And that number again is 1800 816 We'll take a break. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecone, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now, if you've been affected by stress-related sleep problems at some point or other lying awake, at night, filled with anxiety and terror and all sorts of stuff. Well, you'll be very interested indeed in our next item because I'm delighted to be joined by world-renowned author and breathing practitioner, Patrick McCohen. Uh, Patrick, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you again. Thank you for your, your time this morning. Um, I'd say it, it, this has to be one of the top issues that listeners share with us as a problem and and it appears that over the years it's getting worked worse because of the screens and the social media and all of that patrick i would agree um sleep has really came to the forefront 15 years ago very few people were talking about it yeah. even doctors when they attended medical school they would get very little information on sleep but i suppose the research over the last 15 20 years has shown that poor quality sleep uh, is a detrimental to many chronic illnesses and even prem- premature death. So, for example, people with snoring, obstructive sleep apnea, etc. Now, many people will talk about the quantity of sleep, but they don't necessarily talk about the quality of sleep. And the quality of sleep is very, very important. And there's also a two-way relationship. If the mind is stressed, it affects the ability to fall asleep easily. But we also know that, and anybody will experience it, when you have a poor night's sleep, your mind is more likely to be stressed the following day. Focus and concentration goes out the window. So I think sleep is really, really important, but we need to be talking about the quality of it. Yeah, that, that's very, very interesting because the conversation is normally around, you know, did you get your full eight hours and stuff? But is it fair to say then you could have less sleep, but more productive sleep and sleep that would be better for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember going back to 1997, 98, I had issues with sleep. It's so, so common. And waking up in a dry mouth in the morning is one of those problems. You know, we should never have the mouth open during sleep. And even with children, you know, it's with, for example, there was a, a huge study carried out in the United Kingdom in Stratford-upon-Avon. A researcher, Karen Bonnock, she looked at 11,000 British school kids And she followed them from age six months to 57 months. And children who had snoring and stopping of the breath and mouth breathing when it was untreated at age five 
these kids had a 40% increased risk of special education needs by age 8. Wow. And she writes in her paper, which is published in the journal Pediatrics, which is a high-ranking journal, that the brain of a young child develops during deep sleep. So for a child, it's one thing, and for an adult, it's another thing. So the brain for an adult, it cleans itself during deep sleep. So there's what's called the lymphatic system. So there's also another aspect of it in that the brain does remain active, of course, during sleep, and it's often tracking what has happened in the previous day. And we need what's called slow-wave sleep, and that's really getting down into the deep stages of sleep. And we know when we've reached this, we don't need a, a, you know, a whoop band or any kind of paraphernalia to tell us, even though people do, they kind of love the, the reliance on technology. You know by simply how you feel, that when we reach that slow-wave sleep, we wake up in the morning and we feel refreshed. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, and, and do you know, I can never remember feeling refreshed after sleep because I tend to wake up every hour, you know, pretty much on, sure. on the hour. Um, does that mean that you never get to the proper level of sleep then? Yes, because the sleep fragmentation is causing an interruption. We shouldn't even have to get up to go to the bathroom during the night. You know, ideally we go to sleep and that we have, you know, uninterrupted sleep and we're waking up then at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, I think one thing, Fran, that we, we need to discuss is many of us now are working from home mm. since COVID. And what it may mean for some people is that they get out of bed in the morning, they go from their bedroom into their kitchen, they have their breakfast, and then they go maybe into their home office or wherever they do their work. They're not seeing daylight. So, you know, it's imperative as well that we get out in the morning to help establish the body, body's normal body clock or rhythm. And that's by spending 15 minutes in the morning exposed to daylight because that in turn is telling the brain that it's, it's early morning. And the brain has its own rhythm. The brain then will know when darkness sets in that it's time for sleep. But then, of course, during the nighttime, we're exposing ourselves to artificial light. We're looking into screens. We're looking at smart televisions. The bulbs in our houses are emitting blue light. So there's no escape. You know, if you think of our ancestors, you know, we woke up in the morning when it was when it was dawn and we went to sleep when it was dusk and that that was the way it was and since the advent of the the light bulb sleep has been thrown off but i think the bigger question here is that will probably be of appeal to most people is how it impacts flow states and concentration and mood so you know sleep quality falls into a number of areas the bedroom itself it should meet certain criteria it should be dark it should be silent, it should be airy, and it should be cool, even almost cold. So no radiators switched on in the bedroom would be better than having, you know, a very warm room. Yeah, yeah. But most importantly, written about the last 400 years is the importance of nose breathing during sleep. And about 50% of adults are either persistently mouth breathing or switching from mouth to nose breathing during sleep. And that's a risk factor then for others conditions such as snoring and sleep apnea. Will you just explain to us again maybe how we could go about uh, making sure that we are nose breathing? How, how can we go about that? Yeah, so uh, many people, you know, if you have a stuffy nose, it's kind of normal. You feel air hunger if you breathe through your nose, mm. so you switch to mouth breathing. And the first step to switching to nasal breathing during sleep is to improve your breathing patterns during the day. So during rest, when you're, when you're either sitting down, 
or for example when you do physical exercise is to make sure that your breathing is in and out through the nose now i know many people will say that they have their mouth closed during rest but do they have their mouth closed if they go for a walk do they have their mouth closed if they go for a run you know it is imperative as well to keep your mouth closed during and i would like the, the benefits of nasal breathing versus mouth breathing during physical exercise are immense but Establishing nasal breathing and good breathing patterns during the day will actually help breathing during sleep. Now, conversely, if an individual is breathing through an open mouth during sleep, they will typically be breathing faster, they're breathing more upper chest, this in turn is reducing lung volume, and the the muscles in the throat which are responsible for helping to keep that, that throat open, they don't work so well, and the throat is more liable to collapse. Mouth breathing also prevents the tongue from resting up in the roof of the mouth. So when we have the mouth closed, we should have the lips together. The top jaw and the lower jaw shouldn't be in contact, so there should be teeth apart, just by a couple of millimetres. But ideally having the tongue resting in the correct resting posture. So three-quarters of the tongue should be pressed gently up against the palate because that helps to take the tongue out of the throat. So if we think of the space at the back of the nose where it meets the throat and the space at the back of the mouth where it meets the throat and the throat itself, a good diameter of a throat is about the size of your, the width of your garden hose pipe mm. or the size of your tongue. Now, if we had mouth breathing pattern as children, this can alter the craniofacial growth. So the shape of the face isn't the way it should be. And as a result, when the, the jaws are more set back on the face, the airway is smaller and more liable to collapse. So there's and I presume that here. does that affect yeah. dental issues as well? Oh, of course, yes. of course. And, you know, internationally, orthodontists are starting. To, I see a huge role for dentists and orthodontists in the whole field of sleep medicine, primarily because they can identify the risk factors associated with it very, very quickly. You know, I'm nearly 50 years of age. I would be a prime candidate for sleep issues. So when I go to my dentist, my dentist is there, he could spot or she could spot for scalloping of the tongue, a high narrow palate, smaller jaws, um, overcrowding of teeth. And these are all risk factors. So children with crooked teeth, it's, it's not just the aesthetics that are affected here. What's also impacted is that the shape of the jaw or the size of the jaw may not be wide enough to house the tongue. And if the tongue can't fit up in the top jaw, well, then the tongue is no other place to go but to encroach in the airways. And that's yeah. the other thing that I would like to just quickly say is yeah. orthodontic treatments, if you are going for extraction, just consider that if teeth are removed, it's going to make the jaws even smaller. And if the jaws are smaller, where is the tongue going to go? This is the first time I've heard a conversation that was holistic about sleep, uh, taking into account dental work, for example. Um, <laughs> why isn't this being talked about more? It is, but it's all, in, it's all in the medical literature. If you go in PubMed, and I had an interview with two orthodontists there about a month ago, and I did a search in PubMed, oral breathing and crooked teeth, and I pulled up, I think it was 700 and something papers. So the papers are out there. And even written back as far as 1909, I remember reading an article in the journal back then called Dental Cosmos, and the, the author spoke about the child who has the mouth open, the child is inattentive in school, the face is dull and expressionless, the child is difficulty concentrating, the child is overcrowding of teeth. Like, none of this information is new, but the problem is it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't got out into the public domain. 
I think it's starting to happen. Mm. I've really noticed a change in the last five years. All dentists should be trained in sleep. They should at least have the basic information that they can identify the risk factors both in the pediatric population and in the adult population and at least encourage their patients, listen, go so, and have your sleep investigated. So issues with, issues with sleep and breathing and the likes then, not necessarily genetic in any way then? It is, of course, but there's also the environment. You know, if we think about genetics, why has it become such a big problem in the last 50 years? Has the gene pool really changed in that time? The environment has, you know, dramatically. And if, for example, the first documented case of crooked teeth that I've come across is back in 1938. Now, there's probably before, but it was a documented case in terms of the, the effect that nutrition is having on the general shape of the face. So we have to think about crooked teeth. There's a bigger issue here. That's the face itself. And it was in a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Dr. Weston Price. And basically, he went around various civilizations, Maoris, Eskimos, Aborigines. And he asked, he asked the question, what happens when these people change from their tr traditional diet, which they have been eating for tens of thousands of years, over to our modern diet? And he looked at people in the Hebride Islands off the coast of Scotland, which would be very similar to ourselves. Mm. And children, when they were eating marmalades and chocolates and the angel cake and different things he just describes, he said the first generation children became mouthbreathers. And the problem with mouthbreathing is that mouthbreathing then can alter the shape of the face. Now, this has been written about since the 1800s before that because the term adenoid face. So children with enlarged adenoids at the back of the nose that prevented children from breathing through the nose. So the child breathes through the mouth. And then the resultant shape of the face changes accordingly because the mouth isn't closed with the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth. But there are many factors contributing to this. You know, the food that we're eating and the food that children are eating is very soft. And even then teenagers, they may have a tendency to be eating, say, burgers, which mm. is already minced meat. They don't have to chew. So there's the food that we eat, the air that we breathe. So there's a lot of factors that are going in to contribute it's, to it. It's, it's a fascinating conversation. And, and I mean, what about people now who are vegetarian and vegan, for example? They have little chewing to do at all. Does that play into this in some way? <laughs> well, well, a lot of the meat eaters don't have much chewing to do either. But <laughs> if you think of, if you were to eat a raw carrot, there's a bit of chewing in that, yeah. or an apple. So if you're eating raw vegetables, raw fruit, um, yeah, of course there's some chewing there. But the nutrition is one factor of it. It's an important factor. Breathing is a factor. The environment around us is a factor. It's 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 incredible altogether. Uh, and yeah, and as I say, I mean, I realise it's there in medical papers, but I mean, I haven't heard a conversation similar to this uh, at all. You know, we've been writing about it for twenty years. I first started writing a book called Closure Mouth. Well, it, it was published in two thousand and three. A New York Times best-selling author. He took the bit back in 2017. He started writing a book. His name was James Nestor. Mm. And his book has been translated. Probably it's one of the best-selling books that came out in, I think, 2020, 2019, 2020. His book is called Brett. Now, when you read that, that's pretty much the same stuff that we've been speaking about for 20 years. And it does, it does take information to come from a number of angles. And typically in medicine, it takes 20 years for a major effect to take place. So if we were to consider, okay, we started back in 2002, it's 20 years, but we are small. 
Um, I was thinking the next 10, 15 years, we're going to see a major, a major, you know, awareness of the importance of nose breathing for sleep and for craniofacial development, concentration and brain health in children and in adults. It's fascinating. So people inquiring about your books, are they available, Patrick? Yes, the, the books are available. They're out there internationally and they're in different languages as well. The book probably that would be most appealing to the conversation we've had today is called The Breathing Cure. Now, it's a little bit science-heavy, but I had to include the science because otherwise people will think, well, you sure, know, of course, breathing, it's, it's, we need to be yes. able to support it. Uh, very interesting indeed. Paul, uh, Patrick, a real pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Good Likewise. morning to you. Bye-bye. Likewise. That's Patrick McEwen there, um, a sleep expert and uh, author, of course, and uh, some... Very, very interesting stuff there. I'm sure you'll agree. Oh eight three three double one, double three double one. A caller agrees in relation to the comments made about prostitution and says said that you know should I even mention that? Okay, says that feathered is one area that in particular uh, has issues there at the moment. Does it? Another caller says that they're facing a serious GP shortage in Ballangarry with the local GP uh, retiring there next month and although the post is being advertised by the HSE the worry is that it won't be filled in time and uh, there's a huge patient list and uh, the nearest doctor then is killing all and many locals are very worried about what is going to happen where this is concerned. 083 if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back to Tip Today. Ali joins me in studio. Some breaking news, Ali. Yeah, an appeal uh, this morning has been launched, Fran. It's an appeal for a man who is currently receiving care for a brain injury. Um, a lot of people might be aware of him. John Darmody is his name. He's uh, the owner of the pub in Littleton. Um, now, John had an accident a number of months ago and since then has been um, receiving treatment. Um, at the acquired brain injury rehab in Clockcarra in the Meadows in Williamstown in County Waterford. Now, John has been missing from that facility since about 3.30 this morning and an appeal has gone out to try and, and locate him. So uh, just for, for everyone to keep an eye out, I'll give you a description. He's five foot eight, slim build with black grey hair and wears glasses. He's wearing a navy monster rugby zip up with purple zips He's also wearing navy Adidas tracksuit pants. He's wearing a red monster rugby beanie hat and his shoes are blue and navy Asics. Now, he does have a brain injury, which means that he's it's likely that he is disorientated and doesn't know where he is. Now, he may be looking for his wife, Siobhan, and may be looking to go home as well to Curraheen Horse and Jockey. So people are being asked if they see anything, even if they think it's something irrelevant, to maybe contact members of the family. We have their numbers so we can make contact with them if needs be. Or else Waterford guard the station on 051 305 300. All right. Uh, thanks for that, Ellie. I'm sure the family are 
just at their wits end about that. Thank you for that. 1800 Now we were speaking about the situation with refugees this morning. Uh, Deputy Matthew McGrath was uh, talking to me about uh, the rumours that caused a lot of concern in care over the weekend and Mary joins me now. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Uh, good to talk to you today, Mary. You were listening to Senator Garda Hearn. I was. Yeah. And, you know, as Matty said this morning, he's not living on the real planet. I don't know who he spoke to in Tipperary, but anyone I have spoken to has agreed there has to be a cap. This has to stop because in more than one way, it's getting completely out of hand. The misinformation, the downright lies, in fact, that are being posted on social media something catastrophic is going to happen. And when, when you say something catastrophic, what, what do you mean by that, Mary? Well, if you look at, um, you know, it was, I, I actually watched the, the, I can't remember the name of it now, mm. it's a relatively new programme on RTE last night. Yes, that's Katie Hannan's new programme, isn't it? Yes, yeah. that's it, that's mm. the one. And there was two girls in particular there, uh, two colour girls. I think they were actually born here. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. One of them was absolutely terrorised a few weeks ago waiting for the Lewis where she was egged. She and others repeatedly. But the frightening thing about this, there were adults there. She was on her way home from college. There was adults there. The youngsters followed them onto the Lewis and continued to do it. Nobody stepped in. And these were young girls of colour that were, were being harassed like this. Yes. And yes. are you saying to me then that this kind of thing is, is growing because of the situation with the it amount is. of people that we're, we're, we're having here? Is that it? it? It isn't necessarily the fault of the people that we have here. Of course. Yeah. Or that we're bringing in. It's the fault of the people who are using this for their own agenda. And that's the big problem, Mary, isn't it? And that is the huge problem. We saw it again yesterday with the bus outside in care. And how many people believed that that bus had X amount of men, basically, that were going to be living in care, undocumented. And these men were simply going to work, as they always would. I mean, there there was no... Exactly. And, you know, I mean, again, as I said, it's actually quite frightening. You have people coming out chanting, burn them out, Mm. do this. It's only a matter of time until something like that does actually happen. So what is the way around this, Mary, do you think? Well, for starters, when it comes to those protests, those particular protests now, where this kind of thing is being chanted and where there's banners, there is a new incitement to hatred law in this country. Why isn't it being policed? There was one person arrested last week. One. You see, I'd say that the, the, the guardie have to be very careful of that because if they go into a situation that is hostile, it could become huge. I mean, it could really, really be a, a, oh, it could. a, a dreadful situation, you know? It could, but where do you draw the line I then, friend? I don't know. Because, you see, the problem there is that, okay, as you said, if they go in, it could become a huge situation. If they don't go in, Right. You think it's escalating anyway, do you? Oh, completely and totally. 
absolutely and utterly. And it's funny because, again, watching that programme last night, it struck me, it's a little bit like Trump's America. The Irish have always, we've never admitted, you know, but the Irish have always been a bit racist. Always. Do you think so, Mary? I do. I do. Uh, what what informs that? Why why do you say that? Now? I look at. I mean, I remember growing up. Even you know to see. Actually, I think the first person of color I would ever have seen would been would have been a doctor in the hospital in Cashel, mm. and mm. that's going back now. It's not the day or yesterday, yeah. you know. Yeah. But even then, that. That, and it was a man, because I remember distinctly, he was never referred to anything else, only as the nigger doctor. Oh, my God. Oh, my. You know, so we've always had it. A bit again like America, it disappeared for a while. Yeah. But it's coming out now because people think it's okay now, really, to a certain extent, because they see all this crap on social media. And is the lack of planning, the lack of vision, the lack of communication, is that playing into the hands of the far right who are making hay with this? You see, I there again now, Fran, I'm not sure I even agree with that term, the far right, because that is one thing that I will say, that if you don't conform now, you're far right. Yeah, but there are genuine there are genuine oh, far-right elements here there who, are. as you say, are there whipping are. up racism. And, and if you exactly. have a bunch of young lads from a deprived area and stuff and you feed them full of this, they're going to go out there and react to it, Mary. They are, know? and this is the problem. And I, you see, I don't... Ha- I wish to God I had the answers as to how it's going to be stopped, Fran. But somebody, and Matthew is right in the sense there's no debate around no. any of this. No. We're simply told... Now, I could be totally wrong on this. I don't think there's any law stating that we have to take in refugees to that extent. Yeah. Well, it's it's claimed that we are obliged because of our membership of the EU, but I, I went about looking up this up uh, last week, and my reading of it, Mary, is that we can opt out of that exactly. if it's affecting... Our, our financial situation or if it's affecting our that's, social situation here in the see. country. That's, now, that's my, my understanding. Reading. That yeah. was my reading of it as yeah. well, friend. I looked yeah. it up over the weekend because when when um, Emma contacted me there coming up to the weekend, yes. I had said to her, I'll actually do a little bit of, of looking up on this. Yeah. And yes, we can opt out. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why the government will not allow it to be debated won't have a serious conversation round it. Right. And and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mary, but, I mean, do you think that maybe we should try and look after who we have here right now and put a cap on it? Is, that, is that what that, you think? That, that's what I've said before, Fran. You know, okay. I am not at all saying that we shouldn't have helped these people. Yes. What I'm saying is that I don't think personally, and it's just my opinion, okay. I don't think we can do it again. You know, we we have to... Look after, as you said, what's here. Mind you, there is one thing now, while, and Matty mentioned that tent and clear as well. That's not just a tent, friend. Mm. That's um, Army Standard. Yes. They may as well be in a, a hall, if you know what I mean. So, you know, just just right. to clarify well, that. All right. It's, it's, it's still not um, acceptable. Okay, Mary, I must leave it there, but thank you so much for coming on with me this morning. No thank problem, you, and, and good morning thank to you, Mary. Thank you very much indeed for that. Now, Tipperary singer Molly O'Connell returns to Lord Tira and TJ Carr.
uh, tonight, hoping to win uh, the public vote that will send her into the main semi-final on uh, the, uh, well, I think it's next week, but let's find out from the lady herself because Molly O'Connell joins me. Molly, good morning to you. Good morning, friend, and good morning all the listeners on Chip FM this morning. I uh, hope you're all well. We're all good, uh, for sure, Molly. Um, tell me about tonight and how important it is, Molly. Well, tonight is tonight is where the four contestants from the elimination round, we'll call it, will go up against each other. So tonight, friend, three will go home tonight and then there's one, as they're calling it, the wild card, yes. which will get into the semi-final next Tuesday night. So we'll be with the other four contestants who are safe. Very good. Now, so, you have a chance to be that wild card, Molly. I have a chance. I have a one in four chance tonight, friend. So I just said I'd come on and thank you so much again, friend, for having me on today. Just uh, just a little reminder to each and every one tonight at half nine, if you could tune in to TJ Cahill and just before that maybe just have downloaded your Glortira app Will you explain that to us Molly so that people can be ready to vote for you tonight Perfect, so you just go into your Play Store so everyone that has a smartphone you have a Play Store so pop in there and put in Glortira which is under G-L-O-R-T-I-R-E and then it'll come up and then you'll just have to pop in a few little things they'll ask you maybe an email and a couple of things just to um, register the account and when you come into that you will see all the contestants you'll see all the ones who are safe has safe beside it and then you'll have vote now a lot of people said to me why isn't it opened already today but it won't until this evening it'll go live at half nine so there's people already trying to vote today you can't until half nine well, tonight can't. and it might be costing you money and uh, that's yeah well yeah. there's a way actually um, of buying votes as well I'm not really up to date friend on that but mm. um, a few people have said I've bought my votes for you Molly tonight so I think there's 50 votes as well for 20 euro and it goes down in price All but right. I haven't really gone in but I know I'm there's five with... there's five free votes is, is there not there is five well? there yeah. is five free mm. make, make sure if you can that's all I'm asking people don't you don't have to spend any money I'd be grateful for the five free votes that Glortira has give each phone. Each right. smartphone has the five free votes. Mm. So we'd be grateful for that. Right. I, I cut across you. You were about to say you're where, Molly? Where are you? No, no, myself. I'm here actually with Tex Deegan. Tex, um, myself and Tex came down together um, in the van because he was coming down and I have friends coming down after. So I just had... Um, a lift with uh, ah, we're, having, we're having great fun we're here on the Guilga side of near Spiddle and we're going in for a coffee oh, so lovely. Great. Well, we're text, having great fun Tex is a, a great performer a great singer too a very fine voice Tex he has too he's a yeah. very good performer you're welcome Tex and uh, good to hear from you today as well um, Molly how did you feel about last week because I, I was around the country over the last uh, while on, on gigs and a lot of your fans very disappointed at what happened with the, with the, the adjudication panel yeah they were disappointed, friend, and you know I got such positive um, feedback from everybody that sent me lovely comments and texts yeah. that, that they loved the duet with myself and Louise. And you know I was so delighted to see it back because you know yourself you don't get to see that when you're down there. And I just thought myself I was saying well done, Mal. You know you're done the best. Yeah. And yeah, all you can say is look, Noel was very good as well. I have to say Noel is a lovely fellow and he's a friend of mine. And um, you know he's just got a different style than me. So adjudicators, yes. uh, someone said to me, three adjudicators that judge that, so you have to hold in of Ireland voting of, in after that. Of course, that. yeah. But our, our mutual friend Eileen, who runs Bulgarton, said you were robbed. Oh, <laughs> did she, Eileen? Oh, she's such a darling. Yeah. You know, I got lots of those messages. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you know, competitions like that, friend, as I said to people, I was in scores and flares. Mm. And if I went down on the first hurdle, you don't. You just keep building yourself back up. Dust yourself off. And I'm so excited to go out on that stage tonight and sing to every one of you. And I hope you just can tune in. 
yeah. and get behind. Do you know, well, that's well I know you're going to get loads of support from uh, Tipperary. That's for sure. Can you tell us what you're singing, Molly, or has that to be kept under under wraps? I don't know. Can you tell? Say what you're meant to be singing. Tonight? We're not really sure, to be okay, honest. Okay. So well, I maybe best won't. best best not then. Uh, I leave uh, I leave it as a surprise tonight that she um will get to hear. So I'm not sure if we're on the first half or the second half. We're right. going down and we'll see that the run of the mill. But as I said, just half nine, friend. I know you're you're so supportive and thanks so much to all of you for this opportunity just to remind everybody again to jump on that phone tonight and just cuddle in by the fire with a cup of tea or a glass of wine or whatever this <laughs> evening and Very enjoy good. lovely country music. There's eight of us performing, so um, it'll be a good show tonight. It'll be terrific altogether. Well, I, I, I might have the glass of wine, if you don't mind, Molly. You, I'll, I'll have the you, glass you. of wine, I will. Uh, look you after yourself, for Molly, and we wish you the very, very best. So down, download the app. It'll give you five free votes. That won't cost you anything, but do no. get involved tonight. Half past yeah. nine, isn't it, TJ Cahar? Half past nine, TJ Cahar, and I think maybe the voting might go live from half nine onwards, which would be great then if people are watching in oh. from... You know, the start. Very good. Well, thanks, friends. Not at all, Not at all. Look after really yourself. Best of luck to you. Best to text there as well. And uh, Best take to care. Look, thanks, friends. Thanks so much. Thank <laughs> good, you. Good luck, guys. <laughs> take good care of yourselves. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well done, well done indeed. Molly O'Connell, tonight on Lord Tira, do uh, do tune in and do give her some votes. Won't you support from Tipperary? Much needed indeed. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and you're welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. And I'm glad to be joined in the studio now by Gillian O'Mahony of uh, Lynch Solicitors. Good morning to you, Gillian, and good to see you today. Good morning, Fran. Um, we're going to talk about the cheery topic of divorce. And I suppose, that, let's begin, when, when can you apply for a divorce, Gillian, just for clarity? So at the moment, the law is that you can apply for a divorce once you've been living separate and apart for a period of two years. This was reduced in the last number of years. People might previously mm. remember it was four years. Now it's two years. And that two, you don't necessarily need to be living in two separate houses. You can live separate and apart under the one roof. Mm. And do you need to prove that in some way? And if so, how how do you prove that? Typically, there wouldn't be documentary Mm. proof. It would involve people essentially telling their story to the judge. And really, it comes down to intention. Are you living together really as flatmates? You know, separate bedrooms, you know, separate finances, not cooking for each other, not washing. And that's really what what it will come down to. Mm. What about the division of assets then? I mean, how how is that decided upon, for example? It, it seems like a simple question, but it's not. There's there isn't a simple answer to it. There, I suppose, the division of asset depends on quite a number of variables, and there are many variables, and there are different variables in every single family law case. The law is not that clear either, in that the law does not say.
say it's a 50-50 split. Mm. The law simply says that there has to be proper provision. And in arriving in, as, in what, to determine what is proper provision, the law sets out there, that there are criteria which the courts must, must consider. So examples of the criteria are accommodation needs, how, you know, once the parties go their separate ways, how, are their, how is accommodation going to be provided for both of them and the dependent children? What are their financial needs? What are the financial resources available to each of the parties and to the family? What was the standard of living before they separated? What are their age? What was the duration of the marriage? What were the contribution? So they made by each party. So they're the type of things that a court will take into account. Um, you might you might notice that I didn't mention conduct. It's very rare for conduct to be taken into account in determining who gets what. We have a no fault divorce mm. system. Conduct can be taken into account if the conduct is gross and obvious so if it's so bad that it would be unjust not to take it like into account. domestic violence I guess. It, it depends on the but, extent yeah. of it. For example affairs don't, you know, are not right. taken into account. Unlike the American system Yes, I guess, absolutely. Yeah. We have a no-fault system. Mm. Okay, so infidelity does not play no, a part in, in, in this in, in, in some way. Um, I'm just wondering as well, in terms of like all the information has to be out there for the judge to make a decision, I guess. What, what if you withhold like bank accounts and uh, or amounts or valuations or that? Yeah, and I can't say that that doesn't happen because that obviously does happen a lot mm. of the time. So we have a case progression system, which means before you get in before the judge, you go through case management with the county registrar. So there the court can make orders directing each party to provide their bank accounts. We will analyse bank statements. We will see if there are transfers going to other accounts and I've had this before if one party refuses to give their bank statements we can actually get an order directing the bank to to provide us with the bank statements and and that is something which I've had to invoke previously It's very interesting indeed and what if one spouse decides I'm going to blow all of the money I'm going to spend it all um, Mm -hmm. ahead of what what powers do you have about that? Yeah and again that's something which, which I've had to deal with you can go into court if for example somebody is blowing an education fund or money that's specifically set aside that's different to somebody spending their wages and shopping Mm -hmm. but if you have a fund that's there specifically to provide for the family or to provide for the dependent children you can go in and get a freezing order which is essentially like an injunction whereby you will get a court order whereby those monies are frozen until the conclusion of the family law case and that gets served on the bank so the bank the bank frees it then what happens with the the family home has to be the big one, Gillian, I suppose. And you know, in a divorce situation with children involved, is it always the 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 person who has the children will get the family home? Is that is that the way it works? No, not necessarily. It again, it comes down to proper provision. And if you look at accommodation, both parties will have accommodation needs, as will the children. So in some in some situations, for example, the family home, there may be sufficient equity in it that it can be sold, and both parties can be rehoused in proper accommodation and if that can be done that can be done um, if if that can't be done and if for example you have a family home worth let's say 200 to 250,000 if you were to sell it there wouldn't be enough money to house both parties mm, so yeah. the court and we as the solicitors have to look at the options and one of the options there which happens quite regularly would be that whoever the children are living with would perhaps continue to live in the family home. 
both parties would continue maybe to contribute towards the mortgage and then once the children come of age either 18 or 21 then the family home can get sold and divided between the, between the spouses so that's one way of looking at it mm. but it's ultimately comes down to as well what's what's in the best interest of the children and is that paramount is absolutely. that is it yes, all, absolutely. always yeah. yes um tax implications so there are there are tax exemptions for for inter interparty transfers of property on foot of a divorce. So if the divorce order says the family home gets transferred to one spouse, that's essentially tax exempt. So there's none of the stamp none of the taxes that would typically arise, such as stamp duty. There's no stamp duty arising. There's no capital gains tax arising for the spouse transferring the property, and there's no capital acquisitions tax, so CAT arising for the spouse who gets the property. So that's that's on the basis that it's part of the divorce order. Okay, but I guess the allowances that you'd have if you're living uh, together wouldn't be applicable then, will they? The tax allowances. Well, if you're if you're a spouse, interparty spouse spousal transfers are t- are typically tax exempt. But here you have parties who are divorced, mm. so they're no yes, longer spouses. Yes. So if the transfer of the property is provided for in the divorce order, you can avail of exemptions which are in the legislation. Right. If it's decided by the court that a property should be sold and and one spouse just won't sign the, the necessary papers, which I, because, of course, there's a lot of anger and stuff involved here. And that might be the case. Have, have you come across Absolutely. That? I've come yeah. across. I've had to deal with that quite recently. And it's actually something that we have to deal with quite regularly. So the way we get around that is you would look for either if it's if it's an amicable divorce in your terms of settlement or we would ask the court for an order directing that the county register can sign in lieu of one party refusing to sign. So we can... We, you have to prove that you've written to the spouse, you've done everything to get them to sign the paperwork and then you apply to the county register asking the county register to sign the transfer papers instead and you'd be surprised at the amount of times that we come across that. Right, because of course, I mean, the human condition involved in these things, there's, there's, there, as I said, there's anger and there's... Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So there, there are ways of dealing with that as well. Can you do a faster... I mean, if both parties are in agreement and amicable about it. Can you fast track it in some way? Oh yes, absolutely. So you can you can issue your consent. To, you still have to go to court. So if everything's agreed and everything's amicable, you still have to go to court because it's only the court can give you a divorce. The court has to essentially pronounce you divorced. The court has to still, even if it's a consent divorce, the court still has to ensure that there's proper provision. The court has to be satisfied, you know, that both parties know what they're doing. There's been full disclosure. But you can issue consent divorce proceedings and you can ask for the court to to list it at an early date. So that whole process from beginning to end can just take a short number of months and it's far cheaper as well. It's interesting because we were talking earlier on to a gentleman, a supervisor on the male advice line and it came up again, it's come up on the show in the past as well, that there is that perception, Gillian, that men do worse out of legal situations that involve kids, for example, or separations or divorces. Or stuff. Is that your experience? No, I suppose ultimately it's the court has to decide on what's proper provisions. So the court has to decide what is proper for both parties. So the court does not, does not necessarily have to provide more for the male or more for the female. Mm. But I suppose in the context of perhaps guardianship, the, the mother, if the parties are not married, the mother is an automatic guardian, um, whereas the father in an unmarried situation is not an automatic guardian unless they've lived together for a requisite period. Oh, right. So 
I suppose that is one thing where certainly perhaps fathers are on the back foot because they may have to go and look for guardianship um, if they're not if they're not married or they're, they haven't lived together. And with guardianship come certain rights, such as the right to be involved in education, the right to make decisions on generally the child's upbringing. So I suppose that, that could be one angle where the gentleman was speaking about. I'd, I'd love to know your opinion. I mean, you speak about the American situation where conduct is taken into mm-hmm. a, to account and that's not the case here. Do you think we're the better for that? Absolutely, because when when you're coming before the court, the court isn't, you know, parties are not getting into the box, the witness box, thrashing out what happened. It's 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 essentially down to, to the finances. And at the end of the day, if there are children, people have to move forward. They're still going to have to parent those children. They're still going to have to attend communions, confirmations, graduations, weddings and all of that. So it's in nobody's best interests to be airing all of that if, you know, when it when it's of it's of no relevance in our in our system. All right, very interesting indeed. Gillian, it's always good to see you. Thanks, Thank thanks you. very much indeed, Gillian O'Mahony there of Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel. It's uh, coming up on uh, sixteen past eleven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 0833 Good news that uh, John Darmody has been found safe and well. And uh, thanks for all the messages and everybody who uh, searched. And that's from the family there. So uh, some good news there. Um, all right. Friends of Bridgewater House, Knocklofty, Rural Day Service and the Sure Drop and uh, Mill are hosting a Valentine's Disco for all family and friends of any special needs child of any age. It's happening this coming Sunday. And one of our regular contributors is George Hogg, one of the organisers. And he joins me now. George, good morning to you. Good morning, Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I know... A lot of people say, oh, Jesus, don't say to see me again. Uh, we're always <laughs> delighted to chat to you, George, because your heart is certainly in the right place. Tell me what's happening on, on Sunday, George. We have our youth, our, our Valentine Disco, on next Sunday, from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, above in Hillview. But mm-hmm. Billy Bopper is doing the, uh, he, he would be the, uh, M, the disco man. They're doing all the, all the music in that. As, a, as you know, we run these for every 8 or 10 weeks, these discos. Yes. Um, I, I'm lucky probably sometimes they only get about 10 or 12 people turn up to them. And it's the families that I blame that don't bring their children out to these discos. Because look, we are parents with children with special needs that run these discos. And we, we and it's just to try and get children out to enjoy themselves and just to have a bit of a laugh. A bit. Now, I know these discos mightn't be like discos that they will go to in some of the hotels and all that. But our discos are special discos to us and to the children and the boys and girls that turn up to them. And I, I presume that any of the boys and girls that go, they have a great time, George. They really they enjoy a, it. They have a great time. That they do. And parents can sit down and have a drink of coffee or tea or maybe in a drink above in Hillview. But the kids have a ball. That's the only way to describe it. A ball. You were you were very disappointed recently. Uh, one of the uh, get-togethers, it, it was a particularly low uh, turnout, wasn't it? That was the Christmas one. Yeah. Seven. 
seven turned up for the Christmas disco. Oh, yeah. And I know that is... Well, well most of the discos, fan, I would often... I'd be there with them and I'd be leg out with them and left with them. But when they're, all, when they're gone, I wouldn't be disappointed every time we have a disco that so few turned up. And why parents don't bring their children out? Like, right. And even ordinary children, some friends of children with special needs, they could come and, and enjoy in with them. Because they're not going to pick up what these kids have. I know yeah. some, of them are, some, some of the children, but some of them are teenagers. And there's nobody going to pick up what they have. And right. these people really, they will show you how to enjoy yourself. Because these kids cannot go to discos in the life of uh, Mulcahy's pub and all that, where they have discos, some of the hotels. Yeah. They, they would, some of them would, would not be allowed in, I would say. Because I know of two or three of them that are in Bridgewater House and that have been refused entry. Right, but but that but that might be some nightclubs that it might happen. But of course, we're we're not we're not particularly naming any nightclub yeah, where that's concerned. Um, so the the idea of kids without special needs then turning up and becoming part of this show, that's what you're looking for. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, families to come and talk to us, and they might have a child six, seven, eight, nine, or ten years of age, and we have gone. They could talk to us when. They might have had problems that we have had during yeah. during the child's life, and they could talk to us, and mm. we can give them some kind of some kind of examples. A simple, and you, a person in a wheelchair, bring them as well, because don't forget, the parents are the, are that child's legs. That's a lovely lovely way to describe it, George. Uh, the admission is just three euros, so it's certainly not prohibitive. Sure, it's not. not indeed. No, I'm trying. If I, as well as that, I'm hoping to have a disco on next Tuesday, on Valentine's Day, from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I'm waiting for word back from Hillview, but I can have that. And is that as well as Sunday then, George? As well as Sunday, just to have a Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Because I've been, one of the centres have been in touch with me and asked me, could I hold one on Valentine's Day or even any weekday? So I said, I will try and hold one on the Valentine's Day. And... They have no other buses, and they will actually drop the lads up there. Okay. And the staff will come with them. Okay. Well, you might let us know if you're going ahead with that, and we'll certainly put it out there as well. But in the meantime, we're talking about next Sunday between 4 and 7. Seven, at yeah. Hillview Sports Club uh, just outside of Clanmel there and Billy Bop is, is always in action. It, it's quite safe for anybody in a wheelchair. Okay. And and everybody welcome along uh, to, everybody to that. George, yeah. always good to talk to you. Look after thank yourself you. and thank, thank you very thank much you indeed. God bless. Bye thank bye. you. Bye-bye bye. to you now. Well, it's time for our weekend sports review and our sports editor, Paul Carroll, is with me in studio. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Fran. How are you? Um, we have to start off with the Hearty Cup and I have to put my hands up here. I was delighted with the, with the uh, victory of uh, Cashel there, yeah? Delighted? Oh, it was unreal, yeah. It was a great occasion, I suppose, for Tipperary um, hurling and that in general, having two tip teams for the first time ever. But yeah, uh, Cashel Community School with 12 points to 11 win um, in the first ever All-Tipperary Hearty Cup final. But 7,283 people showed up, um, which was just brilliant. And it was a great... I think that the new stand in Sample Stadium holds around 9,000. So when you're looking over at it, it was just like completely full by the, the edges, the far left and the far right. Yeah. Um, were, were empty enough, but um, well, not empty enough, but that was the only place where there was empty seats mm. was right out in the edges. But um, brilliant atmosphere. The game itself was kind of a bit of a nervy one, a nervy start. Like, you know, there, there wasn't a score from play till about 15, 16 minutes. So um, a, a nervy kind of start, but with so much on the line and with both mm. teams knowing each other so because well. Because they're very young too. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, yeah. these are 16, 17. There was a few 18-year-olds playing. Like, you know, these are, these are young 
young lads really and um, but yeah brilliant occasion and really good excitement down the last kind of 10-15 minutes because there was only ever kind of one two points in it then Cashel went 10 points to 7 up so it was kind of like okay Cashel are pushing on now next thing Thurlis came back and got the, the three points in a row to level at a 10 apiece and then eventually Cashel went on to win 12 points to 11 but just uh, really great for the school they became the community school in 1994 and battled up there in the Harty Cup before then they dropped back to the, the B so mm-hmm. the under 19 B division and they really struggled to get out of that. They lost semi-finals and finals by last pucks of the game and things like that. And then the 2020, they won the B final to get up into the Harty Cup. And uh, there they are three years later, lifting the Harty Cup. So it was a, a brilliant day for the school. And just talking to even the, the manager, Brendan Ryan, he was involved. He's been there since 2001, I think. So um, And has always been involved in the hurling. So it's been a big part of it. And he was talking before the game how he used to go to games on the Harty Cup matches on Saturdays, just wishing that Cashel would be in it someday. Yeah, yeah. And there they are winning the thing. So it was just brilliant. Um, and t- in terms of on the field, I thought Gerald Dwyer, the centre-back for Cashel, was had a brilliant game at centre-back. Adam Daly came into it really well in the second half for Cashel. Um, for Thurlis, Tommy Maher, their captain, was probably the best of their performances. They probably feel like they probably maybe underperformed a bit, but like even at that, they only lost by a point, and they're a, they're a young kind of side as well. Um, with plenty of great hurlers yeah. on that team, so just all around it was it was yeah, a great, great day, a great occasion. Two Tipperary uh, teams, and uh, uh, like, how historic is that, Paul? Is For, that... first time it, the the competition started in nineteen eighteen, yeah. and you know, I, I'd imagine the early periods would have been kind of dominated by the boarding schools, the, the Flannans and, course, and, yeah. and that and yeah. uh, um, those kind of places. But yeah, first time ever, all two Tipperary schools in the final, so, which was massive. And the last time a Tip team won was twenty seventeen, our ladies Tempomore, mm. and that team I, I was looking at it the other day um, I think was there five or six lads who were on that team who were playing with Tip on Saturday night who would have okay. been on that 2017 Our Ladies Temple Moore team so jump by the law of averages we probably looked at a, a few future Tipperary senior hurlers out on that field so Great. which is a, an exciting thing as well And speaking of which three Tipperary senior inter-county teams in action over the weekend Paul. Yeah a very busy weekend Fran we had the uh, the hurlers the footballers and the ladies footballers all in action starting with the uh, hurlers they beat Leash over the weekend wasn't really much of a contest Fran 232 to 18 points oh. um, it was over pretty quickly in the first half Tip uh, completely dominant goals came from Seamus Kendi in the first half and uh, substitute Jake Morris come on um, the only kind of negative coming from the game was uh, Connor Stakelham. He had a really, really good first half, scored three points from play from midfield, but uh, he went out with what looked like a hamstring injury. So um, hopefully uh, positive news comes out from that. Hamstring injuries can vary in lengths in terms of uh, how long. They can be, often be very hard to kind of shake off a hamstring injury. Mm. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. Um, but that was probably the only kind of negative. But there was really good uh, league debuts. Johnny Ryan of Arvale Rovers made his league debut, uh, di- as did uh, Grodo O'Connor. He scored, I think, was at 11 or 12 points points um, in his debut he was on the freeze and I think he I only remember him missing one um, Keno Dwyer of Connor Kenny had a very good game and Sean Ryan of Temple Derry all those lads made their uh, league debuts and um, a kind of nice way to bed themselves in um, with, with good, such a, good a big win Footballers in, in a rather difficult one in Cavan Yeah footballers up in Breffany Park they lost to Cavan 119 to 17 mm. um, they started really well which um, was the opposite of their game against Down they started really well they were 1-3 to 2 points up in the early stages um, Mikey O'Shea from Mullinahone got the goal 
but from then on it was pretty much all Cavan so it's two losses from the first two games for Tip but they have a big game coming now not next weekend the weekend after it's on Saturday uh, February the 18th that's against Antrim both teams are winless after two games so that will be a huge game for the Tip footballers there in two weeks time Very good uh, three wins from three for the ladies Yeah the ladies footballers uh, got their third win in a row they beat Roscommon six points to four and the, as Farron you mentioned there that's their third straight win three wins from three in the league and that one was in Feathertown Park so they're joint second now in the standings in Division 2 and they have a week off now before they play Leash on Sunday uh, February the 19th that's a home game another home game in, in Feathertown Park there in two weeks time What happened in uh, rugby Paul? Uh, in rugby I suppose we'll start with uh, with Ireland the Ireland under 20s uh, as we mentioned kind of during the week last week Lockmore's Brian Gleeson was uh, part of the squad and he was put up for a press conference uh, last week so we got to got to speak to Brian he's underage again next year so he's a, a young enough lad but mm. um, he's got the start uh, number 8 back of the pack and just had an unbelievable game he was named man of the match on, on Virgin Media um, and just just for such a, a young lad like John, it's, it's brilliant to see him and a Tipperary lad going well. Uh, they bet Wales, the Ireland under 20s, 44 27. So a, a brilliant start for them, and they're taking on France next weekend or next Friday. Uh, the Ireland senior team, obviously, they beat uh, Wales 34 10. Uh, much listeners probably watching that game. Mm. Um, they, had a, 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 they just kind of dominated Wales early on, 27 3, and uh, up at the half at half time. Wales kind of mounted a bit of a comeback, but uh, Josh van der Fleer try. Uh, late on seal the win but I suppose more locally friend in rugby Neen Ormond had a, an historic day for the club on Saturday um, I went into this game this was on at 12 o'clock on Saturday so the the Ireland match was quarter past two so it was a great day of sport around Neen on yeah. Saturday uh, with the Tipperary match in the evening time as well but um, they played uh, Corkside Highfield in the Munster Senior Cup semi-final so the first time ever um, Nina reached this far in the competition and uh, they were playing a team who were in the division above them and they beat them 28 points to 5 so it was a massive win for Nina uh, they're going into their first ever um, Munster Senior Cup final now that's going to be on in Thoman Park I believe uh, where they'll be taking on uh, Young Munster one of the best uh, teams um, in Ireland really I think they're fourth in Division 1 um, Division 1A of, of the AIL so that'll be a big test for Nina but it's going to be a great day out and just uh, on Saturday a great try from Josh Rowland to get things started he blocked down a kick and chased it into the corner just kept it in play a brilliant try and then uh, John Healy went on a great run popped it off to Willie Coffey who bet the fullback for Nina's second try and Patrick Scully another brilliant uh, run for the Nina's third try in in, uh, in the second half but just a huge achievement for the club and uh, that'll be a huge day out there whenever that final is I'm not sure if it's been uh, fixed quite yet but young monster the op- opposition play. Well, well done indeed. Camogie uh, then, and uh, what is the semi-finals over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we had two Tipperary schools were in All-Ireland semi-finals uh, over the weekend. Ursline Thurlis, they were in the Senior A semi-final. They're taking on Loretto Kilkenny. Unfortunately, they were beaten by a single point, 3-13 to 3-12. So another great game between those two schools. But unfortunately, Ursline Thurlis come out on the losing side, and as did St. Mary's of Nina. They were in the Senior B semi-final. They were uh, down in Wexford playing Gorey. At community school, and they're beaten two thirteen to one two. So, uh, um, not not successful weekend for the Tipperary schools, but always great to see them in All Ireland semi finals, nonetheless. That's for sure. What happened in soccer? Uh, we had a big win at the top of the table in the Clanmel Credit Union Premier Division over the weekend. Uh, Clanmel Town handed Peak Villa their first league loss of the season. They bet them one nil to remain top of the table. So Clanmel Town remain top. Um, elsewhere, Saint Michael's had a one nil win over Two Mile Burris. Wilderness Rovers bet V Rovers 4-1 and uh, Bancha Celtic 2 Cashelltown 3 was the other result there but a bit of a disjointed league campaign so far I, I think Clamell 
they've about nine or ten matches played and St. Michael's have only four games played in the league so it's a bit all over the place so it'll take some sorting out in the in the next couple of months and in terms of what we have to look forward to then Paul GAA first of all yeah we have a big one next yeah. Sunday Fran it's a tip against Kilkenny in Nolan Park at half past one next Sunday so that's going to be a, a big test for the hurlers in terms of let's see where they are they bet Leash by 20 points but um, they would probably be expected to beat Leash well mm. whereas this is going to be a great test now to see where the, where the team at team is at and uh, it's going to be live here on Tip FM next Sunday half past one at Tip versus Kilkenny elsewhere next weekend St Michael's as I mentioned they won't be playing a league game next weekend because they're in the FAI Junior Cup a sixth round so the last 16 of the competition they're at home to Waterford side Hibernians at 2pm so that's going to be a huge day for St Michael's as they look to try and get into a quarter final horse racing back on Thursday as well Uh, horse racing in Thurless on Thursday friend yeah we have a seven race card starting there at half past one and I suppose the last thing to keep an eye on over the week in Tipperary is uh, darts friend we have Dylan Slevin as we uh, mentioned um, last month uh, he won his uh, PDC tour card well he has his first professional event next weekend I think it's over in Barnsley so it's the opening round of the players championship so uh, Dylan Slevin will be keeping an eye on how he gets on that's for sure well done to Dylan we wish him the very best of luck Paul always good to talk to you thanks very much Cheers, indeed friend. that is our sports editor Paul Carroll with me this morning it's 11.33 <laughs> Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now we're hearing as well that uh, Tipperary Badminton have qualified a county team for the All-Ireland competition. They beat Kerry and Cork to qualify and uh, that's according to the Munster Badminton Secretary. So well done to everybody involved. I used to play badminton, would you believe? In Larkspur Park in Cashel about 112 years ago. Anyway, uh, yeah, I know I can't imagine it either at this point. 083 We spoke about the Hearty Cup final with uh, Paul and it was, of course, a great occasion for the county. But uh, as uh, we sometimes see with events at Semple Stadium, it proved to be difficult for residents living near the stadium. And Patrick joins me now. Patrick, good morning to you. Morning, Frank. How are you? I'm very well, Patrick. You live in Collins Park there, don't you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I know some stuff has been done to alleviate hassle for residents, but, I mean, is parking still an issue? Parking. Parking doesn't matter. The park up on the patch, the park wherever they want to park, they abandon them, they don't park them. And what is the result of that, then, for residents like yourself, Patrick? Yeah, well, like, yeah. Yeah. If we just say I go downtown, or anyone like me goes downtown and come back, you've nowhere to park. You can't even get into your own house. Sorry, you can't even get into your own driveway. Is that it? Well, I have a place for three cars to get into my house. Yes, but, but there's other people that have no way of getting into that. Only, only in the, the in the gate, a small gate. And does anybody police it or anything? Is there? You know, can you can you say anything to these people, Patrick? Well, so the, 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 the the language that they use, like they don't understand it. You know, yeah. You know, it, it just you can't talk to these. W- would would they would they abuse you? Ah, uh, someone would, yeah. Someone would, yeah. Someone would. Right. But uh, I wouldn't take any notice. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't trouble me, like. But yeah. What needs to happen, Patrick? Sorry. What needs to happen at this point? What? 
I'm, I'm very happy here. Yeah, so no, no, no problem at all. What do you think should happen? I mean, what? How what would this be helped? Well, the, the, the girls was up and they took some, so some girls that was up in the patch. That's a that's a penalty point, and 160 euros, I believe, is it, for parking on the patch? Right. Okay. Parking on the patch and double yellow lines. You don't take any notice of them either. Right, but it's not stopping them, Patrick. Sorry? It's not stopping them. I don't know. I don't I, I know. I don't know the girls. They should, this should be residence parking only. Right. Have a day of, uh, for 12 months of the year, not for a few months of the year. Right. And that's the only way round it as far as you're concerned. I, I think so. It is, it is ridiculous. All right. Well, Patrick, we wish you well, and uh, thank you indeed for for talking to us uh, today. But it's an ongoing problem, and we've been dealing with it on this program for many, many years, uh, indeed. Now we spoke earlier on about the rise in uh, protests against uh, us housing and looking after refugees. Well, Pat feels that the fact that people are protesting at all shows that they've been let down politically and uh, joins me now. Pat, good morning to you. Morning, sir. And great to talk to you today, Pat. Is that what it's about, as far as you're concerned? It is about, and people are saying that there's not consultation the whole lot. What what I'm highlighting is uh, we need to give our politicians advice, okay? Because um, people even protesting outside the door, or people, as you saw, blocking the whole streets in Dublin with tractors and with taxis or whatever, they're in, in uh, they're uh, bot- uh, coming in, uh, bothering and uh, affecting businesses that are going on within these. So, like, I believe that these protests is people, uh, when they get to the stage of protest, and I know they're being encouraged to protest by the politicians, and what the politicians are saying indirectly is, like, I have no say in this. I'd love to have a say. I'd love to represent you. But unfortunately, I do not have that key. So the only option is open to you now is go up and block the capital city and disrupt as much as you can. And with a bit of luck, you might get what you want. It's the wrong way of going about it. Well, yeah, even though by comparison to other countries, and I almost mentioned the French uh, when, when I talk about this, uh, we're not great to protest. And in fact, protest is relatively rare in this country. Yeah, and like they talked about the water and they said it was successful. I don't think that's done and dusted. I believe uh, this will crop up at other stages. So, do you think so? Um, yeah, I do believe it because, as I said, these protests are basically saying, look, the people are wound up to the last with this. We need to back off, but we'll address it at a later stage. And that's what's happening there. Like, unfortunately, uh, this country, we need to, and I said this before on your show, we need to start looking at the whole political system in this country, a political system that works. And, like, I, I was listening to that upfront show there last night, mm. and I thought, like, it was very one-sided. Now, I am totally, and don't get me wrong, anybody that goes and strikes somebody or intimidates somebody, it's totally wrong, and this shouldn't happen. But, like, what a lot of people are, are bothered about with all this, and there was people on that show last night, and they were giving their opinions, and they, they had a voice. But there is Irish people that our kids are being attacked, intimidated, intimidated in school, bullied in school. They have mental health problems. And unfortunately, these people, again, getting back to our political system, do not have a voice. So, like, what worries me about all this and the influx of all the people coming in here is all these people will have a voice. 
but the people, the Irish people, that are electing politicians that are supposed to represent them politically and uh, represent the, the concerns. Like what alarms me is even with that stuff with Cairns and the amount of young children. Yeah. And yeah. like when you'd be on about these protests and the far left and the far right, different people will get alarmed in certain ways. And this happened at the last election. There was a certain TD and uh, he was uh, uh, abused by somebody. And um, the person in the shop said, geez, that person has left themselves down. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, you don't know the circumstance of that person. I said, that person could have a very sick child that cannot get care for it. Mm. So that person... So it's frustration is, is, is what is more frustrated yeah. and more charged and that frustration and charge comes out differently. And as I said at the start of this, I cannot understand how people would protest outside and you, um, intimidate people that have come here from war to It's totally wrong. Right, but, but wrong uh, did you not answer your own question about that? I mean, is it not symbolic of the frustration that's out there, Pat? You know, that they might feel the only way is to get out on the streets, and then you have other unsavoury elements uh, taking advantage of that and infiltrating the that. elements, so. unfortunately, are getting the limelight in this, and they are they shouldn't be allowed. And as I said, this is where the guards and the whole lot yeah. should be kicking in. They should be taken out. Do you agree with the, uh, Matty McGrath, though, who spoke to me earlier on, and he said, you know, there hasn't been debate. Debate is There's not no allowed debate. to happen. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying about the political. The political system should be, there should be debate with Matty. There should be debate even in Lismore. And as I said, even the that hotel and what alarmed me with that hotel was they gave this simple thing. I should a hotel is closed for five years. Mm. Uh, sure, what's the heck like? That town. Now, what a lot of people don't realise with a place, a small place like Lismore, right? You have kids. Uh, that are, have the comfort of walking safely back and forth to school. They know everyone in the community. And I'm not saying these people coming in are a threat, but the people of Lismore are just concerned and they would like to get into consultation and these mm. fears alleviated. Oh, look, these people have been vetted, these people or whatever, and mm. there's nothing to worry about. And, and the argument, Pat, that we're in an emergency situation and there's not the... That's not uh, an uh, argument. We're in yeah. an emergency situation in, in Ireland as regards children's health and as regards people's health. There's an emergency situation in Ireland as is before right. this war. So what needs to, to be done as far as you're concerned? And are you Talking about capping numbers, what what are you? What the what numbers should have been capped because, as I said, if you have and this, I saw their breathing in the years or whatever, and they went back to two thousand and six where Mary Herney was the minister for yes. health or whatever, and they had problems with the health system. So their problems with the last twenty years with the health system, mm-hmm. and as I said the last time I was on, it's not been addressed. Now, if you bring in another eighteen thousand people, is the health system going to get better? It's not because you're still dealing with the same elements. Right. You're still dealing with a. a, a system that's flawed in so many right, ways. And you have to add housing to that and education to that and all of the other issues as well. And like you look at even the small area, you know, that people are living in small villages and I said this before the show, even when the people were in Roscommon were um, uh, complaining about a direct provision centre they were mm. saying there's only one little doctor there. Now in most small villages, I don't know the system but I'd say you probably get in to see the doctor that day or maybe the next day. Mm. But if you put a uh, hundred or two hundred people into that small village, that doctor becomes two, three weeks away. Mm. So, like, 
and even creches and even schools. And what I'm t- when I hear the government saying we're under pressure and this is under pressure, they're causing this themselves. And, and can I ask you, and just briefly, because I have another item to do, Pat, but can I ask you, what do you make of the, the, the note? And I put this to Senator Ahern as well. I mean, it seems that the majority of people, up to 60%, believe in the notion of a cap. But that sort of democratic thinking is being ignored. There should have been a cap day one, and I said it on your show, don't make a political football out of this. They've made a World Cup out of this. And as I said, unfortunately, um, there's, there are, there's certain people running the power in this country, and certain people are gaining out of this. I believe deep down that this war could have been prevented, but this war is benefiting certain people in financial. Right. If you have a rundown hotel or a rundown business, uh, this is booming now because of this. So I, there's something like that in it. But as I said, this war should never have started. If we had competent politicians negotiating at that table, mm. this war should never, ever have started. All right, and of course that's a whole other discussion, uh, Pat, but many people I'm sure would agree with you. Good to talk to you today as always, Pat, and thank you very much indeed for that. Now it's time for our text slot this week we're discussing uh, audiobooks, um, uh, an Amazon subscription service uh, offering a huge variety of auditory entertainment, all wrapped up in an affordable subscription package. And Niall Kitson of Tech Central joins me now. Niall, good morning to you. Morning. Uh, I suppose the big question is, you know, is this overtaking uh, us buying a, a humble book? Well, I mean, the thing with audiobooks is that, that there's definitely a place for them. I mean, I'm still a little bit of a stuckist. I do like to have something in my mm. hands that I can read and flip the pages up. But for a lot of friends of mine, you know, they drive an awful lot. Mm. It's just not. Uh, it's just not practical to have uh, to, to have a regular book. So they have turned to audiobooks, uh, sort of on uh, mass in some in some. Uh, cases uh, where people have forsaken uh, regular books completely. There's actually nothing wrong with that. I mean, audio books have been with us since, since the year dot, really. Um, however, uh, the big player in the game that we're looking at today is Audible, mm. which has been with us since 1995, actually. It's been around for quite is a while. It? I didn't realise yeah. that, yeah. Um, again, it was just sort of a niche player. Maybe it didn't sort of... Uh, Maybe it grew up with the medium to a certain extent. However, in 2008, it was bought by Amazon for $300 million. And this just gives you an idea of sort of the scope and the scale at which Amazon was looking at audiobooks and going, you know what, we're doing really well with physical copies here. Imagine what we'd be able to do if we were to create our, our own ecosystem. And not entirely dissimilar to what uh, uh, Apple do with iTunes and, and music. So Amazon went and they did something quite similar by bringing in Audible. And they have a subscription uh, model. They have an individual pricing model. So it's a bit, a bit of Netflix, a bit of, of you know, what, what you're having mm. off the shelf kind of a thing. Uh, however, if you're looking to buy an individual title off the shelf, it is very expensive. It is much more expensive than buying a, a physical copy in the bookshop. And there's a good reason for this. Um, however, if you decide to go the subscription route, you're looking at, you know, they say it's £7.99 a month or whatever that translates uh, mm. into at the moment. So, you know, it is very much... And what does that entitle model. you to if you pay your 7 or €8 uh, euro a month? So this is basically, it gets you into the free tier. Uh, pretty much. And you start off with sort of a month free Mm. and then once you're in, well then, sort of the the world is your oyster kind of a thing. And Amazon uh, and Audible have done a lot of very good stuff 
when it comes to their titles because you would go into sort of a, a regular audio bookstore or something like that mm. and you might even expect you know a, a reasonable actor or even you know uh, unfortunately an AI mm-hmm. uh, reading a title one thing Audible is really really good at and showing its value at is getting really interesting readers for its titles. So if you were to buy a Harry Potter book through Audible, you're getting Stephen Fry reading it. If you get the Thursday in Murder Club, you're going to get Leslie Manville, who's Princess Margaret in The Crown, Mm. reading it. Um, If you get Spare, Prince Harry's um, autobiography, well, guess who's reading it? It's Prince Harry. So, you know, you get that sort of... So so you're you're getting best-selling books here for that subscription, that monthly subscription. Certainly are, and you know some of them. When you delve into the into sort of the classics, if you will, you do get sort of good Hollywood people still getting involved in this. I mean, uh, my favourite is probably you know if you like The Godfather, you've got Joe Montaigne reading it. I mean, what better man for the for job? Sure. You know, that's for sure. But I, I find this incredible. I didn't know much about this to be honest with you, because I always saw audiobooks, as you said yourself, extremely expensive. I mean, twenty twenty one euro for uh, when I look to my Kindle purchases, the audio equivalent is twenty twenty two euro almost. Absolutely, and the, you know the quality of reading, I, I'm sure it's fine, but it's not quite a, at the level that mm. you get with Audible, and that's very much the hook to bring you in. And they really diversified their content as well, because yes, you've got the regular audiobooks, and that's fine, that's brilliant, that's what they're known for, but they're also doing an awful lot of what they call originals, which is sort of um, the... the they're, they're looking at audio plays, they're looking at their own podcasts, and they were quite reluctant mm. to use the word podcast at first. Um, but, you know, as time has gone on, people sort of left things behind, like, you know, audio documentaries or any any other sort of nomenclature, and podcast is it. So, Can, I, can I download, uh, and this is a huge problem for me, is downloading to Kindle, can I download anything from Audible um, easily? Can I, is, is it easy to download and, and to what device? If you're using the Audible app for your smartphone, it's no problem at all. It's a very easy download. I think you can even stream some things as well, but it's a very easy download. And audiobooks generally are very, very small when it comes to file size. So sometimes you see a, a Kindle, for example, and it'll say, you know, we've got four gigs of storage. It's very small compared to your PC or, or your smartphone. Mm, mm. However, that's enough for hundreds, thousands of books. You're never going to use that up. So if you've got a smartphone with a reasonable degree of storage on it, you will never trouble it when it comes to downloading audiobooks either. Now, of course, you, you want to keep an eye on sort of what you're actually keeping. Pretty pretty good um, pretty good uh, policy anyway, um, because you know your, your phone can get clogged up with audio. Mm. Um, but it's, it's something that... Uh, you know, the quality is there that maybe you decide, you know, you're you're going to get rid of some of the things you've downloaded from iTunes, maybe. Um, so, uh, as always, a little bit of quality control. But, you know, I really like the, the quality of the readers they get in. It's got a massive sort of um, uh, catalogue at the moment. And they're branching off into things like uh, very funny things called sleep sounds, which is basically, you know, somebody reads a short story to you in a very... A very soft voice designed to sort of help you off to sleep at night. Yes. Um, which is sort of very interesting. And then, then they've got their separate audio play section as well, which, you know, they will put a stamp on and say, you're not going to hear this anywhere else, which is part of the, I suppose, part of Netflix success as well. It's sort of 
you're in the ecosystem, here's stuff you're not going to get anywhere else, but you may as well stick around. This is sort of what's designed to, to keep you in-house. Yes. So one interesting example is the Cube. Um, it's got Carly Gugino in it, who was familiar from Gerald's game on Netflix on Haunting of Hill House. Um, she's also done quite a bit of voiceover work as well. She's in Watchmen. Um, uh, and sort of, you know, again, bringing in people that you know to make high-quality content that will keep you in that ecosystem and make you a reliable customer, not just for, you know, one one purchase, but for years. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is doing some of uh, the Sherlock Holmes ones, and he's absolutely brilliant at it. I mean, really, really brilliant uh, to read it, so it's a real treat indeed. Um, what, what's this about the network uh, password changes now? <laughs> Yeah, now Netflix has, they've had, um, you know, a very kind of, I don't want to even call it an interesting problem, but it's a problem they've had for years and years and years. And this is something that they've turned a blind eye to for a long time. And this is the problem with password sharing. It's like, you know, I've got my Netflix account. Um, maybe you want to try it. Maybe, you know, I want to give you a, a present of it, but, you know, don't really want to spend any money on it. Mm. You know, here's my password. Go watch it. You know, I'm not using the number of... Uh, number of devices that I have password sharing is everywhere when it comes to when it comes to streaming services it's just something mm. you know a lot of people do and it just means that you know if, if you want to try Disney plus for a few months maybe there's a show that you want up there and you just want to watch it and you want to get rid of it you don't want a couple of months on it um, so you just you know there's natural churn with every kind of subscription service but this is sort of a way of I guess keeping you within the ecosystem, but mm. also you know not really contributing to it. So Netflix for a long time has said, Do you know what we're gonna we're gonna crack down on this. We're going to be much more friendly to, uh, to sort of content creators. This also means more money in for us, so we can start making uh, either making more content or you know plugging some of the the holes in our finances that we're starting to see mm. occur because they're experiencing a bit of a a COVID slump when it comes to our subscriber numbers at the moment with people going back to work. So this is part of the crackdown. You know, they're, they're, okay, we want to keep, if you want to be a, a Netflix viewer, you've got to pay. No more of this password sharing stuff. All right. And, 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 and that allowance, I mean, like my family would share my Netflix account and my Spotify account. It, it's not that kind of sharing, is it? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay, they, right. they want to do sort of one person, one password. You know, one credit card, one password. Oh, you know? okay. So it's, it is quite, um, yeah, it's something they certainly frown upon. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, the idea is that, okay, you've got a, we'll allow a certain number of devices in, in your household, but that's in your household. It's not for sharing outside, you know, it's for the person in the bedroom and the person in the mm. front room so they can watch something at the same time. Right. Uh, and of course, if you've got a bigger family but like you, that. You'd wonder how they'll be able to police that in some way. This is the thing. And one way of doing it is to look at IP addresses. Uh, now, this is a potential uh, way of doing it. Uh, an IP address is basically a phone number that identifies where you're dialing into the internet. Um, you know, uh, that's one way of doing it. I, I guess probably not very uh, yeah. uh, ethical, I suppose. Yes, but time-consuming, you would imagine, and you'd wonder how how they'd go about it, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. this is something that, on one level, I, I think it's kind of inevitable. On the other there hasn't been that sort of time and cost-effective way to actually find a way to do it. So, and there's also the predictable uproar as well, where somebody's got, well, hang on, like, I mean, I yes. use you know, my password in this house, but I also use it in this house. 
That yeah. doesn't mean that it's, you know, uh, too selfish a counselor that, you know, I'm sharing it necessarily illegally or something like that. It's still my credit card. I'm still, you know, I'm well, shopping. Well, Niall, I have to tell you, it's always my credit card when it comes to these, <laughs> these subscriptions. But there you are. Great to talk to you, Niall. Gormil no Good. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Niall Kitson there of uh, that fantastic uh, site, um, the, the uh, techcentral.ie. Always great tips up there. That's it for me. Ali produced and uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie